0: Hello and welcome to Say It in Red, a podcast about visual novels. I'm Runa. I'm Sarah. And today we're going to talk about Higurashi. I'm very excited about this.
1: I am too. I've been looking forward to this. Yes.
0: Well, Umineko is, of course, like our, our great visual novel love and one of the big reasons why well I mean obviously one of the big reasons why we made this podcast just look at the name but like Higurashi also is something that I've been dying to talk about and also read through for a long time
1: yeah it was something when I first got into Neku it's something I really wanted to get into but struggled to get into mm. and so having this podcast to do it makes me really excited and after reading the first episode I really love it I'm I'm yeah. in mean it. I mean yeah it.
0: Yeah, it's very nice for me to come back to it because when the first translations of it were coming out and then when the anime was airing in that sort of like 2007-2008 range, I actually did try to get into Higurashi back then, but I wasn't really able to stick with it. I mean, we'll talk about some of the reasons why people might have difficulty when they first approach it, but also there's just a whole lot of things going on around about that time and it wasn't as easy to get fan translations of the game much less actual official ports of the game as it is now fortunately
1: yeah I think I mean it definitely has the reputation of being one of those creepy girl narratives that are kind of common in visual novels or anime and I think that reputation in some ways yeah, I don't know that hurts it, but I think it comes with a different expectation than, well, it does venture into that area, not so much. Well, we'll get into this episode. But I yeah, think yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. There's, there's so much about Higurashi that it's difficult for us to just out and out say and state without yeah. literally just sort of like giving the game away.
1: I'm aware of, I guess, certain things about the plots of maybe like the first three volumes. Mm. And it was, I think it was a lot the second one that really was kind of the stuff where I was like, I don't know if this is for me. So we we'll, we haven't gotten uh. to that yet. But I think I'm more engaged already that I think it would be fun. Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah. I, I think that was kind of my experience a little bit because back then I was also sort of following along as thing, like updates were happening with it. And, you know, hearing just snippets, you typically hear like the most titillating or like graphic snippets about it. And I was like, oh, this is probably a genre that I don't want to read. But in fact, it is the exact genre that I love to read. Just also with a lot of... We'll probably do this episode by episode when we talk about it. But Higurashi broadly has some... Content warnings for mm. things like violence and gore and just to be safe body horror, psychological horror. i also add
1: child abuse. Child abuse a big one. Is, a,
0: is a heavy, heavy one.
1: There's mention of drug abuse, but I don't know if it becomes a player or not. I just know that like there's some background information that deals with that. I mean, yeah, the characters do get stabbed with needles. That's yes. a thing to be aware of.
0: Um, yes 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 (laughs) we'll get there yes we'll get there so uh i guess without further ado we should talk about what happens in this game and why why we're uh both so excited about it and basically the sort of experience of starting up this game for the first time and sort of like reading through what you can expect and what sort of things you'll see
1: so first i thought i'd introduce kind of the main players of the characters so even if you haven't Played the game, you kind of get a sense of who the cast is. Mm. So, our main character is Keiichi. He has just moved to Hinamizawa. He's only been there for about a month, but he's made quick friends with a group of girls he goes to school with. Mm. Um, though he was a much more sullen student when he was living in the city before moving to Hinamizawa, uh, he has adjusted to the environment of the small town and is much more spirited than he used to be. Mm. He's kind of blending into the energetic town culture. Yeah, it's
0: energetic. It's a nice, happy, upbeat feeling rural town where Mm -hmm. you know if you've seen a slice of life anime from the 2010s that's set in rural Japan it probably has that vibe
1: and then we've got Rena she's friendly naive and quick to please she's constantly being teased by her friends and by Keiichi in particular Uh, she often repeats phrases in her speech and she loves to collect cute things whether people objects or Colonel Sanders statues (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah most of her sentences end in kanak and Kanaka Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. That's the localization of "I wonder, I wonder," right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The localization guide for this is interesting. You could do entire episodes on that, but I don't, I don't know enough about it. It's just very interesting to see because I also saw some fan translations forever ago, and they're very different than the official stuff.
1: Something that I really appreciated was how they still use Japanese names, but found ways to to give the meaning of the word inside the translation. So like, like Higurashi, they start referring to cicadas as Higurashi in the mm, translation, mm, but yeah. only after establishing that they are cicadas. Yeah. All right. Then we've got Mion, who is the oldest of the group. She refers to herself as an old man and loves to make dirty jokes. She's a caring, playful person and a board and card game enthusiast. She loves Western imported games. She's the class representative and the leader of the game club. I love
0: Mion. That's I, Mion's great. That's that's my that's my my main takeaways. Mion Meon. Um, one of the fun things is uh, we both played this game with the original sprites. Um, now, <laughs> if you buy a more recent version, you will find the option for an updated sprite. And Mion's sprite, in particular, you might notice if you play with the original sprites. She's just got a pistol on a holster on her shoulder.
1: Just inexplicably, the day that they're all going out in casual wear, she's yeah. got a holster on a gun. Apparently it's not a gun gun. No one mentions what she's, yeah. that she's wearing it. No one notes it. I don't it. think it
0: comes up at all in the first volume.
1: Nope, but only, and I, I can understand why in the other adaptions they didn't include it, but there's something just completely wild about it suddenly changing to a different sprite yeah. and her having a holster. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> But yeah, I think it's a pellet. Yeah, it's
0: like an airsoft. It's amazing. It really does sort of set you up in the vibe of Higurashi really well, I think.
1: Yeah. Then we've got Satoko, who is an elementary schooler with a haughty air who loves to play pranks and cries easily. Yes,
0: and she's got some family context.
1: Well, yeah, we'll get there. (laughs) yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, and we have Rika, who is an elementary schooler and good friend with, with Satoko. She's very polite and well-behaved, but secretly indulgent to pranks. Yes. During the festival, she has the role of a shrine maiden.
0: Mm, yeah, I think her grandfather is the acting priest.
1: Mm, definitely her family. Yeah, it's
0: in her family.
1: So those are our kind of our main group, Keiichi and his friends. We also have Tomitake, who is a quote-unquote photographer (laughs) who visits Hinamizawa every year during the festival but is still considered an outsider. He runs into Keiichi near the dump around town and at the festival. And we have Oishi, who is a detective who is about to retire and determined to solve the mysterious cases in Hinamizawa.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of uh, character flags (laughs) in
1: that right there. Yeah. (laughs) So those are my characters that I've got. There are other minor players, but I didn't feel like they were important to introduce as separate characters. Like, there's Keiichi's parents who his father is an artist and his mother supports at home and they've just moved into this large
0: house. There are a couple other characters. Like, um, I don't remember if they give her name or not, so I won't mention it, but the woman who is with uh, Tomitake in certain scenes.
1: Yeah. They do mention it in the reporting. Uh, I have notes of everything. But
0: yeah, characters that are important will probably come up in future volumes. So don't yeah. don't worry if you start playing this and like, well, but Runa and Sarah didn't mention anything about them. It's like this game spans a lot of content, and some of these characters really only gear up in in the later volumes
1: yeah so the game intros with a scene that it has an ambiguous first person we don't know necessarily who it is i think when you first read it you kind of assume is that it's cagey yeah. because it's jumped straight from it i don't know how you're supposed to read it but basically it just kind of jumps right in to someone is bludgeoning someone else all while i wrote down some lines maybe that'll yeah help.
0: yeah yeah lines are good
1: if I was going to be ripped apart anyways, having my body ripped apart would have been far better. I trusted her. No, I still trust her. Even in this very moment, I still trust her. Even when she repeated those words over and over, she never expressed any emotion because they were none to show. Mm, yeah. That kindness made me happy. That adorable smile brought me joy. I liked petting your head. I loved how demure you were. Perhaps I really did love you. And then it's like cut to cut to title. Or yeah, no.
0: yeah, it cuts to the title, and then from there, like that's really for a while in the game. That's the real only hint you have that there's something strange going on yeah. in this in this game. Because well, shall we talk about just the general summary of the events that happen? Sure. So we we start off the game with this really vague first person scene where something Im- intense is definitely happening. But then immediately after that, we pick up with Keiichi's perspective as he's getting ready to go off to school. So it's summer of 1983 in rural Japan. Keiichi is heading into school that he just transferred into a month ago. He's going in there to hang out with his friends, and they all have a fun after-school club. And in this after-school club, Mion sort of has gathered everybody together where she's going to play games with them and play board games, card games, all sorts of different things. All of these games have rules, and all of them are never, ever what they seem on the surface. Um, (laughs) So the club basically involves them playing a lot of games together and then figuring out how they can technically stay within the rules, but then basically poke or skirt or get around the the rules and exploit the rules in a way that gives them an unfair advantage like the entire philosophy is the club is that you need to try and win by any means necessary and it's kind of amazing because you get these almost like like in action series big fight energy sequences when it's just about like how do you gain like a ridiculous unfair advantage when playing a game of old maid against your friends Mhm. That's definitely not a parallel for anything that you need to pay attention to.
1: I will say these kids are brats. Yeah, the, and these I kids are love them. Yeah. Uh
0: the god, I love how like these kids are a mess and would be like so much of a pain to try and watch and yes. take care of.
1: But they really enjoy like they just happen to be a good group for each other because they're all on that level. Yeah,
0: and I like I'm very endeared to them. Like the, the way that they like figure out, like Satoko spends every day in school trying to figure out how she can set a trap for Keiichi, like something mm-hmm. like, oh, you're going to step into a bucket of soapy water and then fall onto like an eraser and get chalk all over your face. And that sort of thing is is delightful to me. So, a lot of the scenes in this game are these kids playing games. And then, when they're not playing games, Keiichi is walking home with friends or going to the local dump with Rena to excavate a Colonel Sanders statue from the mm-hmm. uh, local <laughs> landfill. Mm -hmm. or you know any number of other things that sort of give you that rural small town flavor and it's during one of these trips specifically going to the landfill that he meets tomitake who is out taking pictures of wild birds he says i think he's ostensibly a wildlife photographer
1: yep so that's what he
0: what he says why would we doubt him he's got a in the updated (laughs) sprites he's got a dslr anybody who has a dslr has to be a photographer But he then gets to talking to Keiichi and puts this sort of bug in his ear about the murder and specifically talking about the murder of someone that happened at the very dam site that they're sort of at because the, the landfill in Hinamizawa used to be the site of construction for a new dam project. And this dam if it were built, it would have like done some flood control things, it would have provided electricity, but it also would have flooded the village and everyone would have had to relocate, which this is not an, an unheard of problem for a lot of small rural towns to face, whether it's a dam or a railroad or a highway or something else like that. So basically the story is, or at least as Tomitake sort of relays it, that when the dam construction was announced and they started work and breaking ground on it, the residents all band together and they they protested. Now, according to Mion and Rena and others, they protested and through their unity and direct action, they stopped the dam project. According to Tomitake, that direct action involved uh, murdering and dismembering the foreman of the dam construction site and then each one of the people who took part in the murder took a piece of the victim's body and hid it in a different location. And as of now, the person who sort of like orchestrated all of this, who also took the right arm, has never been found. And so this sort of like, ah, this seems mysterious and strange. Keiichi sort of gets this idea stuck in his head and he can't stop really thinking about this, this murder that happened in this small town. And he gets curious about it. And he gets especially curious about it when he asks Rinna and Mion and the others. And they act like there's, you know, nothing like that happened. And Keiichi starts digging more and more. And then he finds more strange things that sort of, like, contradict the the idea that everything was just fine. And they just did a, a nice debate with the damn construction people. And they stopped construction on there. And he finds more and more evidence that there are creepy things going around. They go to a local festival where Keiichi learns about the local god, Oyashiro-sama, who is sort of a... Well, we'll talk about the interpretations and the portrayals of Oyashiro as we go through. But suffice it to say, like he goes through this festival, he talks to Tomitake again, he's getting more and more concerned about why his friends aren't just telling him all of these things up front about the murders or the mysterious things and then there's also talk of Oyashiro's curse that every year since that murder of the dam foreman someone else in the village has died so they talk about you know, how someone's a housewife was beaten to death, how a priest's wife committed suicide by jumping into a bog, and how a, another couple fell off of a cliff while they were on vacation. And there are things like this that Keiichi starts to really start to worry about and is thinking like, wow, is this legit? And if it's legit, why is no one acknowledging that any of this has happened when the adults clearly are telling me This thing has happened, and it's real, but no one my age, who's lived here longer, is telling me anything about it. And then things really, really start to change when Tomitake is discovered dead the night after the festival. Keiichi hears this and gets invited into the air-conditioned car of a detective from a nearby town, Oishi. Now, some people may wonder, why would a child just in in 1983 go into the car of a stranger and sit there in the parking lot for you know like half hour at a time and the answer is that in 1983 air conditioning was not that great in public buildings especially schools so i mean like if you've got a car with air conditioning you could probably charge admission to that so
1: there are specifically two mentions of air conditioning yeah, in this again yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Air conditioning is a big thing. I mean, it's both because of the like references to the change in environment, and then also the fact that this is like kind of a luxurious thing for Keiichi to experience in like the middle of a hot summer. And so, so after this, Oishi asks Keiichi about the night of the festival and if he knows what happened to Tomitake and if Tomitake said anything to him. Basically, he starts asking. Keiichi to call him or inform on anyone that seems suspicious or tell him if there are any particular details that might help him solve the case. We go a little bit further through. I'm not going to go into great detail about a lot of these because I think they're going to touch very, very closely on on the the themes and our thoughts on this first volume, but basically as Keiichi starts looking into things and hearing more from Oishi, he keeps sort of trying to look into things on his own and ask his friends and the more he does, the harder it seems for him to to get an answer from his friends to the point that it definitely feels to him as if they're hiding something from him on purpose. And then you start to realize that there's something weird going on with the events here. Not just, you know, like, oh, there's a spooky murder, but also, you know... Characters will seem to become possessed and accuse Keiichi of lying. And then, like, you know, there's there's a clear change in their sprite. Their eyes get sort of cat or snake-like. And they will accuse Keiichi of lying. They will know all of the things that he's done. They will know that he talked to Oishi. They will know that he went to lunch with him in a distant town. And this happens with Rinna. This happens with Meon. And it starts to really terrify Keichi, and he really, really starts to think that he is about to be killed by Oyashiro's curse or that he's going to be demoned away or onikakushi, which is a play on Spirited Away or Kamikakshi, which you can see is a thing that comes up a lot in Japanese film and literature. And he eventually starts fearing so much for his life that he, he finds a bat in the school closet, a metal bat, And he starts carrying that around and swinging that, thinking it's for self-protection. It turns out that this bat belonged to a boy named Satoshi, who was Satoko's uh, older brother, who was in the school last year and kind of ended up Having the exact same experience of things happening to him that Keiichi has, right down to the way that he's behaving and being suspicious of his friends and everything, Keiichi gets more and more suspicious and isolated to the point where he's not really interacting with any of his friends. He's only really talking to adults, and mostly only Oishi, even when he starts to doubt that Oishi is really that helpful. And then finally, he gets to the point where he thinks that he's about to die. He leaves a note behind the, the clock in his, uh, in his room. I love it. I God, love it. that note. we we'll into it. That note. <laughs> that
1: every everything he does in like one day is just like it's amazing
0: (laughs) yeah he has isolated himself from his friends he has told his parents if i die bury me in the coffin with this clock because i love it because i made it in shop class but really he's calculating like okay if they take down the clock they'll find the note and then finding the note they'll be able to like contact the detective and he'll find the killers and then he'll like he'll put he'll close this case um he's he's convinced now that the entire village or at least a large portion of the village is involved in a mysterious conspiracy of some sort uh, like the town is rumored to have once been a place where demons dwelled or people who worshipped demons and that you know they would hunt by encircling their prey and then people around who were bystanders would just ignore it and allow it to happen and Keiichi is convinced that this is what's happening he is now marked and He is going to be hunted by people in the village by a grand conspiracy. A, like, a a white van sort of, like, seems to try and run him off the road, and he gets caught just by the side view mirror. He's really, really suspicious of any of the locals around, and he's constantly aware of his, like, status as an outsider. And all of this culminates in one day when his parents are suddenly gone to Tokyo for a while. He decides that he's just going to oh no I missed a very important part that's right he doesn't want to go to school because he's afraid his friends are going to murder him and yeah, uh, yeah. so Mion and Rena come to check on him and they seem very nice and and concerned and so he starts to feel a little bit guilty that he ever really doubted them and he's trying to reconcile the fact that he thinks that they're murderers with the fact that they seem to still be his friends And they give him some mochi that Mion's grandmother and Rinna made. And Rinna made one of them. And it was like a homework thing for their club that you had to figure out which one Rinna made. And if you failed or you didn't do it, you had to take a penalty game. And so he he figures, okay, well, why not? Delicious mochi. This one tastes good. This is great. I love mochi. Let's bite into this other one. And then there was a sewing needle in there. Like a a pretty hefty sewing needle. You can even see this in the anime. I I saw this part in the anime and they like, they make this shot extremely lurid and like focus in on the sewing needle a lot. But then he's like, I am convinced now Rinna and Mion are trying to kill me or they are warning me that they are about to kill me if I don't step up, like if I don't keep in line. And from that point on, it really becomes a matter of Keiichi basically sort of barricading himself in his house for the most part, trying to just wait it out until his parents get back home. Rinna comes over and tries to, tries to get inside, and Keiichi is terrified. She's more often than not now having this sort of like snake eyed, sort of like possessed look. And the final part of this is that so he ends up going to school and coming back home. And on the way back home, Renna is following and he is just absolutely terrified that Renna is here to finally kill him. He is running through the woods away from Renna and at that time also recalling that Oishi told him about some of the details he dug up from Renna's past. That in her previous school, she transferred out to a larger city school and there were three boys that were her friends and then they were talking by the, the pool and one day she just she just grabbed a metal bat and smashed them all really, really bad. They all, like, got really, really bloody. Some of them had lasting damage to their face or their eyes. And then she went and broke every single window in the school. And so if you've ever seen, like, a Japanese school building, that's a lot of windows because generally they're set up such that one wall, one hallway has windows all the way down on both floors, or three floors if it's that big. So the point here is that, like, Rina has a history that Oishi is telling Keiichi about, and Keiichi is now convinced that Rina is going to do this exact same thing to him if he doesn't get away. He runs further, and then there are two adult men out by the dam landfill site who sort of corner him, grab him, beat him up, even though he tries to get away. And then he just wakes up in his bed at home, and he's not really sure what's going on. Everything seems to be, well, not fine, but he's not dead. And then he sees that Renna and Mion are there, and they're both sort of just like, oh, hey, how's it going? We found you collapsed, and we're glad that you're okay. Are you feeling all right? And then, of course, the, the scary possession time things happen, and they both try to administer a suspicious, mysterious, unknown drug that Keiichi has feared was what killed Tomitake as the penalty game for him not figuring out correctly which of the mochi Rena made earlier when they dropped that off. He fights them for a while and then blacks out briefly, and then when he comes to, he finds Renna and Mion dead around him, completely bludgeoned to death, and the bat, Covered in blood in his own hands. He's like really, really out of it by this point. But also feels like this was, oh yeah, this was probably self-defense, right? But no, no, this is way too far for self-defense. What what just happened? And so at that point, a few men come by and there's a white van in the backyard. And so K.G. is convinced that these people also are the ones about to kill him. He runs away out of the back door of the house. He runs as far as he can towards the phone booth, the only phone booth in Hinamizawa, to call Oishi. Um, He calls Oishi, but the entire time that he's been doing this, all the while while he's running, and while he's trying to get to this phone booth, he feels like there is something behind him or right beside him, stepping, like, right in his own footsteps, so close that if he stops or he turns around, he's going to be devoured. And he gets to the phone booth, and then we hear the rest of it, mostly from Oishi's sort of perspective. And it sounds like Keiichi is dying and meeting the same fate as Tomitake, which I won't describe in detail here because I, I think that probably will be a little bit upsetting. But basically, it's a administers it a very terrible drug that causes you to do very bad things and you die and then that's kind of where we where we leave off. So, yeah, so um just just from that, that is by the way, the events that happen as they are literally presented in yes, the game. Yes. And it helped
1: me to listen to you summarize it cuz yeah. I'm trying to figure out how I want to break it down. So, after finishing it, what did how did you come away from yeah, it? Yeah.
0: So, um reading it all the way through for the first time, I was first like I'm very fascinated by this story already because i can see the different things that are that are sort of like peeking out of the edges of the like very there's a very literal sort of series of events and actions that are described here from Keiichi's perspective and there are a lot of points where you can start to see other things peeking through the gaps in his perspective and and the events as they're presented here um so I know that Higurashi isn't written as like a strict, true mystery narrative. And we'll get to that when we talk about Unineko, what like a true mystery narrative is. But it does definitely have like things that you can that it's building up to and like hints that it's dropping about what things are about. And so I sort of approached it knowing that the author Kishi, tends to write about certain subjects and tends to do it pretty well, I think. And so there are a number of things that I was looking for in terms of like themes of the way that adults and children interact and the way that. Especially the adults around Keiichi Mm -hmm. both sort of like passively or actively sort of act to isolate him from other people in the area, other people in his age group. yeah, And then also kind of manipulate him into doing whatever it is that they want or that's convenient for them. So like Keiichi even realizes at a certain point that Oishi is a detective who is developing him as an informant to be dangled along like bait at the end of a fishhook, I think is, is the word that he uses. And I think there's a lot more to it just than that, though. And so I was definitely looking at it in terms of thematically looking at how adults and children interact and how like the children interact with one another, the sort of things that Keiichi always feels and thinks whenever he thinks that his friends are untrustworthy and the things that are going on there. And I guess I'm still also just like processing a lot of different thoughts on it. So I also wanted to talk through those with you. But more than anything, I really like the way that this game is setting up the, this atmosphere of being a child trying to figure out these circumstances, which make absolutely no sense at all when everything <laughs> feels like the absolute most dire life or death. And you are going to, like, you are going to die if you don't X or Y. Or even, like, you're going to die, so what do you do? Um, I, I really like the way that it is setting these things up and the way that it is very clearly, I think, playing with the literal events as presented and the actual story that it's telling.
1: Okay, I think I've decided how I want to approach this. Ah, wonderful. I think we should do a different summary this time ah what if nothing weird was going on
0: oh yes and what
1: if we're looking at what keiji is doing as though we are not keiji yes yes i think i think this is probably the easiest way i can get to where i want Mm. with Mm. this definitely all right so it starts i think is coming back from town i think he went to a funeral but i didn't write a proper note why he was in the city
0: yeah i think that was i think that was it
1: So he returns, things are normal. I actually don't have that many notes from the first half because a lot of that is set up, Mm. but you do get a sense of kind of this daily routine. Like every morning, Go tries to prank him. He helps Mion and Rena with their studies because he studied in a city which was much more rigorous than this town is really yeah.
0: He, he was one of those kids who like was obsessed with standardized test scores he even mentions like that's his his benchmark for oh i used to not really be that sort of lively or mm-hmm. energetic or motivated
1: yeah it, it kind of seems like KG's kind of bloomed in this small town environment to a certain extent and then they play club activities and shenanigans happen. I think the most important thing about there are actually like three or four game instances before we even get to the festival, which is where the game really turns on its mm. uh what's the word I'm looking for? Turns on its head.
0: <laughs>
1: it goes in a different tonal direction, I guess, is what Oh yeah.
0: There is definitely a tone shift in the festival.
1: And I think it's important that we spend so much time before that understanding how the dynamics between these characters work mm. these these children in particular yeah um what kind of jokes they like to make how they talk there's a scene pretty early on where Katie is walking around with Meon and Rena and everyone they run into knows that he is Katie because there's so few new people in town mm-hmm. that they know the boy who's hanging out with Meon and Renna is Keiji. Yeah. And basically, it kind of turns around and he asks Mion and Renna about the people that they're running into. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's so-and-so. They work here. Their hobbies are blank and blank. <laughs> like, as in they, ha- like they have this introduction memorized for each of the people that they know in the town. Yeah, And then Mion jokes, yeah, well... I know everything in this town, this old man. Like, I know you, you've you been changing over to boxers recently <laughs> and stuff like that. Like, this idea that information passes around this town because nothing happens in this town and everyone knows each other. That pretty much, if you're doing something in public, someone else is going to know about yeah, it.
0: Yeah, and I mean, even sometimes things that you do in private, just because, like, you know... Your parents talk to other people's parents and things like that at the market.
1: Right. So kind of catalysts for Keiji learning about things beyond just the nice town atmosphere is obviously when he goes to the dump with Rena and meets Tomitake. And it's, they're just making a joke about, you know, what if Rena's digging for a corpse, I think that's Keiji jokes about. That's right. And Tomitake is just like, oh yeah, that was a bad incident, huh? That's right. <laughs> like, that's all he says. And then the conversation's over. And then Keiji's stuck like, What? It, what? what <laughs> and then he he talks to renna and Renna's like oh no that nothing no no and then he talks to me on i mean like nope nothing like that happened mm. we just you know there is a dam that we uh all fought against happening and that was the big thing we all came together on but no that's it mm. oh, no one died. it's fine so then he doesn't really find out more information well he does go back to the dump with renna and that's when you see her with the cleaver which is kind of always this image of her is yeah her smiling with the cleaver in her hand but they're doing it so they can cut out the colonel sanders, yeah, the colonel statue sanders. and that's, from, that's
0: kind of the tongue in cheek about digging out a she's digging out a body because she's digging out <laughs> a colonel sanders literally who she
1: thinks is really cute yeah. and she just wants to take it really
0: home. cute and that's when he finds that stack of old newspapers right
1: yeah they're tabloids actually. oh that's right that's right and yeah he just finds a little bit of information but it's enough to confirm that there was something that mm happened and really it's all he finds out is that some people attacked the site foreman and cut him up to pieces and buried them in different places Mm. yep then we get to the festival festival's fun they do a couple games one involves them trying to get the giant bear that rena wants from the shooting booth and they all put their work towards getting it and katie gets the final shot and happens to be able to get it to bounce over after everyone's hard work of trying to get it to Mm. go over.
0: yeah yeah
1: and basically, Tomitake is part of that, and they decide, you know, Tomitake, for today, you're going to be part of the game club, and you're going to participate.
0: It's a very interesting, because they, like, Ryukishi definitely sets this up in the same sort of way that you see the dramatic conflict arcs in a lot of, like, action series, where it's like each character is trying to figure out how to use the the abilities that are, <laughs> like, available to them to do these ridiculous it's things. It's so
1: overdramatic, it's, it's so cute. It's amazing,
0: and in the end, it's like, Keiichi just, like, asks the guy the the booth for like three separate preloaded uh rifle like air <laughs> rifles to like so that he can rapid <laughs> fire shoot one after the other instead of having to reload it's it's amazing how hard these kids go for this stuff
1: heiichi puts a hundred percent into things that don't really matter and i love him for yeah. it yeah <laughs> yeah and it, it it shows the whole way through to the end because yeah, the entire
0: way through to the entire end he He's
1: so dumb. I love him. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to it. Yes. So during the festival, there is the ceremony where they take cotton and they throw it out onto the river or the marsh. I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah,
0: I think it's I think it's about the river. Um, The marsh, yeah. I think, is... I'm trying to sort of piece together the topography. Maybe it
1: goes into the marsh or something. Yeah. I don't quite know the relationship between the marsh and the river. Yeah, I'm
0: trying to piece together the topography. But generally, I think that there's, there's a river that flows through and there's also like a marshy wetland part and... There's sort of, like, a lake-ish area. And this is where the dam would have all been, like, created. But right. anyway, yeah, it's it's a very interesting sort of festival because you get that scene of, like, Rika in the shrine maiden mm-hmm. outfit and she's striking these big futons that are full of cotton with, like, a specialized sort of farming hoe until, like, they, yeah. they open up and then you sort of, like, float the cotton down to sort of give thanks to your used items for all the good things that they have done because cotton is warm and people like wearing clothes and having blankets
1: yes yes they do um so keiichi finds himself away from the others where tomitake is with a woman whose name he doesn't know and there's this kind of this whole exchange where he's like oh i should know her name (laughs) but i don't want to ask because i should know it so she's just the woman Mm -hmm. and she seems to have some sort of relationship with tomitake but they basically start teasing keiichi about the curse Oshiro-sama's curse Mm -hmm. and they kind of get all like telling a spooky story mode to try and like stir him up a little bit yes they're like did you know a tragedy happens every year on the night of the festival
0: yeah they are absolutely hamming it up to like freak Mm -hmm. out this little kid that is the vibe of this scene
1: yeah so here's what they tell him they say the year after the damn incident the dam incident would be the time that the foreman was killed.
0: Yeah, I think on our timeline um, it's like 1979, 1980.
1: So the year after the dam incident on the night of Watanagashi, a man who lived in Hinamizawa and supported the dam fell off a cliff overlooking some rapids and died while he was on vacation. Mm. body of his wife was never found. The next year, on the night of Watanagashi, the shrine Shinto priest died suddenly of an unknown illness. His wife drowned herself in the bog that night, leaving a note, my death will quell Oshiro-sama's anger. The hmm. year after that, on the night of Watanagashi, they discovered the battered body of a local housewife. She was a part of the family of the damn supporter who fell to his death two years before. Her husband, the younger brother of the damn supporter who died, is alive but moved out of the neighboring town. The victim had been a non-believer and didn't attend to the festival. The housewife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tomitake explains that the housewife's case was solved. The murder was done by someone intending to continue the legacy of the curse.
0: Hmm.
1: Then Keiichi asks, but what, what happened next? What was the next year? And they say, but that's today.
0: <laughs> yeah, the, it's it's very much played in the vein of, like, a ghost story you were telling someone mm-hmm. who is, like, hanging on your every word.
1: Yeah. And then Tomitake actually kind of dismisses it. He's like, yeah, well, the last one was solved. It was just kind of, you know, it's this thing that the town believes in. But th- nothing's going to happen today. It's fine. <laughs> it's what he says. Mm-hmm. Then, um, so Tomitake was the one who lost the shooting game because he didn't get any prizes. He was going for gold, and the other kids all got, like, consolation prizes because they hit something smaller. Yep. And so for the penalty game, the girls decide they're going to write in ink on his shirt, so they all write messages that are, like, I actually wrote them down because I thought they were oh, cute.
0: Oh, yeah. Ian
1: writes, you'd better have a big break this year. And Rena's like, show me your photos next time, okay? And goes like, ha ha, dead last. <laughs> Rika says, try harder next time. And Kichi says, come back and play again. It's very sweet. Probably the sweetest moment in this VN, I think. Yeah, yeah. And Tomitake looks honestly kind of emotional about it, like he's touched that they are doing this. And he says he'll wear it back to Tokyo, and he'll wear it when he comes back next year. And then he sees that the woman is waiting for him, so he takes his leave and goes off with her. That's the end of the festival night. The next day is when Keiichi is approached by Oishi and told that Tomitake is dead and he died in the shirt that they had all signed. Yep. So they know that he was in their presence before he disappeared. Mm -hmm. Before he disappeared and then died. Mm -hmm. And that the woman has disappeared. She's not at work or at home. His body was discovered in an area that has no street lights. So it's pitch black unless you've got car headlights passing by. But a policeman found him sometime around midnight. His face was covered in blood. I guess I'll, I'll go a little bit into details. Mm. we can put some time stamps but the thing that is going to be important is that he basically cut his own throat with his nails
0: yeah um he he scratched at his own throat so much mm-hmm. that he basically broke the skin and bled to death that way
1: and the police concluded that according to his body chemistry he was in a state of hysteria before he died but they were not able to find any drugs in his system. Also nearby, there were marks on trees and guardrails from where he had struck them with a piece of lumber. Police believe that he was assaulted. He had bruises over his body. The external injury suggests there were multiple suspects, but he was the one who uh, actually did the yeah. killing yeah. Um, of himself.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, They could not, like, they find the struggle signs that make it seem like there had to have been other people, but they mm-hmm. don't find any physical evidence that would nope. link back to other people. Like the, the skin under his fingernails is his own. There's no mm-hmm. blood on the the lumber that he was using other than his own or anywhere else. So it is a mystery.
1: As far as they know, it's just him and it happened like a, like a ghost. Yeah,
0: yeah. Just like partying too hard.
1: So Keiichi's thinking about that a lot. So he's not able to sleep all that night. Uh, the next day, I wonder if I skipped anything happening after that. I don't think so. I
0: don't think so. There might... Sometimes in this game, there are like little aside scenes. And especially yeah. when you get the tips, they sort of go into things. That yeah, are...
1: and I put the tips in a different section. We'll yeah, that the later. tips are really
0: fun. Definitely, if you are reading through this. Um, Definitely read the tips. Read they the get, tips. Like,
1: they, are, they are what they say on the tin. there are tips. They are tips. So, yeah. Uh, So he spends the whole night thinking about this case, and so he comes back to school exhausted. So when they're doing a break, he just puts his head down and pretends to nap. But while he's doing that, he overhears Mion and Rena starting to talk. Mm. And basically they're wondering whether what happened to Tomitake was a curse or Onikakushi, which Keiichi hopefully breaks down to us, which means to be hidden away by a demon, as Rena said in her summary. Mm -hmm. Rena implies that there may not have been a case the previous year, but Mion says, quote, Grandma and the mayor talk to the police about taking care of whatever happens this year without causing a commotion. And Rena is worried that she'll be the one who's next. It's not clear what she says, but she says something, something isn't allowed, right? So she's... Rena is worried that she has done something that would make her the next victim. Later on, when Keiichi is trying to get them to play Clue, and they don't want to. That was kind of one of the last big games they did, was Clue. Uh, yeah. Where all the cards were actually each of the members, so it was like, it was go with the pipe in the drawing room or whatever. Like, they don't use the traditional characters' names, they just use their own names.
0: And it's a version of Clue that doesn't have the board game, if I'm not mistaken. So they call, oh, it, they yeah. call it Deduction, which is basically just Clue with you just have the cards and you're just playing it as a card game without moving around on a, a, a board game.
1: In the box, he finds a card for Satoshi, who he doesn't know. He doesn't recognize that name. He brings it up to Rena, and Rena dismisses it. She's like, I I just got here. I don't really know anything about it. But he starts to get agitated because he knows all these things that are slowly coming unraveled about the murders and all that that she's been denying. And he's like, well, you're keeping all these secrets, aren't you? And then this is the first time where we see the sprite, the angry sprite, the cold one, the one that... Uh yeah yeah. Katie associates with people being possessed. Yeah 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 yeah. And that's when Rena snaps and says, "Well, you're keeping secrets too, aren't you? You were talking with some man inside a car, I don't know, outside the school gate. What were you talking about? Why are you keeping secrets?" And Katie's like, "I don't know this person. Who is this? This isn't Rena." Mm. So, and that's how that moment ends in kind of a tense interaction between them. Mm. So Oishi starts to call in the afternoon. He he claims to be from a bookstore, so that Keiji's parents don't know he's talking. To, he's to a detective a talking to a child. Oh, Oishi is a real piece of work.
0: Yeah, one thing that I do want to bring up here. Um, one one good immediate takeaway that you can take away very literally from this game is, um, don't talk to cops. Um, <laughs> don't talk to cops, Um, but but also the tips and through conversations and everything, uh, Oishi really does sort of hammer in that he is willing to not pay attention to official procedure or protocol. Mm -hmm. It's weird because like, obviously Keiichi knows that sort of a manipulative relationship going on that Oishi is not entirely having Keiichi's best interest at heart. Yeah, yeah. And also that he's kind of like a scummy cop who's willing to do things off the book and off the record if he can close the case.
1: It really turns on Keiichi because first he's like, yeah, I'm really like a bait that Oishi is just letting out to hang to see if something comes up. And mm-hmm. then Keiichi's like, well, I got to have evidence if I'm going to get help from Oishi. And it's like, yeah, he's yeah, putting it, this pressure on him.
0: It puts us in pressure on him. And like I said before, like at that point, Keiichi doesn't feel like he has anyone he can turn to other than this cop who also doesn't really have his best interests at heart
1: yeah so over the phone call with oishi he's at what onikakushi is and she says that many villagers believe that over the past few years, one person has died from the curse and the other has been spirited away. So there always is a pairing of one person dying and one person In dis- The case last year, the housewife who died, a child of the victim's home disappeared. The perpetrator who confessed was known for having a narcotics addiction and died in his cell while under investigation. He swallowed a spork and choked to death. It's unknown if it's an accident or suicide. Oishi confirms that the child spirited away from the previous year was Satoshi, the name that Keiichi found in the card game. After the phone call, Keiichi's told by his father that Rena came by and Keiichi imagines her having stood by his door for oh, the last hour God. overhearing the conversation.
0: That scene is great because yeah. Keiichi's dad comes in like, oh, ho, ho, here's some sweets and snacks for you. Oh, oh I <laughs> It's guess like the not. only
1: time his father's been positive in God. any scene in the VM. Vian- yeah,
0: yeah. Is that the time when his father thought that he was like up here hanging out with a girl? Yeah. Because of course, like, you know, um, of course, of course, they've got to be like macking in the bedroom, obviously, if a girl is over visiting Keiichi. Um, yeah. Um, But then, like, obviously, like, Rena wasn't there, and so it's a very much, like, that classic sort of horror movie moment.
1: So by the next day, he's really not been sleeping at all, and he's really not feeling well. So he decides to stay home from school, and his mom tells him to go to the hospital. So he goes to Erie Clinic, where the doctor says it's probably a cold, and gives him a shot and three days' worth of medicine.
0: Mm, Yes.
1: One note about the clinic is that it's oddly grand for this kind of town. It's... New and big and has air conditioning. Yes. And he thinks they must be making mint.
0: Listen, air conditioning in the nineteen eighties mm-hmm. anywhere is
1: big. But this like especially a fancy
0: rural Japan air conditioning. I mean like imagine that like Cage School doesn't have air conditioning, I don't think. I think they've got one of those things where they've oh, got I'm like sure one they metal they've got a metal fan yeah. on the wall or something like that. And like that's not. Yeah. So Uh, air conditioning is an important sort of signifier of a lot of things in this story, I think.
1: Yeah. As he's leaving, he overhears some elderly visitors to the clinic who seem to be regulars and they're talking about the woman who disappeared and they call her Takano. She was a nurse at the clinic and well-liked by them and they're sad to see that she's maybe disappeared, uh, maybe been whisked away. As Keiichi is walking home from the doctor's office, he meets up with Oishi, who's driving by, and Oishi takes him to lunch. While they're there, he gives him more information. Oishi is just straight up just feeding Keiichi information, (laughs) hoping that something comes out of it yeah
0: it's around that time that we also have a tip that's like oh here's a, a police memo saying that we should probably not <laughs> be feeding people information about this case
1: <laughs> in fact and it specifically states that after the third case they specifically said we're not going to be sharing any other information about any of these cases yeah but oishi is basically like look all your friends are involved in these and he starts to break down the different murders and how his friends are involved the first one having to do with the foyer fo- not foyer foreman (laughs) the
0: The foreman's murder the foreman in the foyer with the with the knife um
1: so the foreman had mian had multiple altercations with the foreman of the dam several weeks prior to his murder which fits with what mian had said but apparently it was more than just talking apparently there were some Fights involved. Yeah. The next year after that one, the married couple who supported the dam project were Satoko's parents. She was with them at the time of their death during the vacation. Third, the priest and his wife in the third year are the parents of Rika. And the housewife who died in the fourth year was Satoko's step-aunt. She was living with her and her uncle at the time. The boy who disappeared was Satoshi, her brother. So... Oishi also says that Ren is suspicious, too, because she had an incident at school before she transferred to Hinamizawa, which we summarized already, basically. Mm-hmm where she broke all the windows of the classroom. But apparently no one really wants to talk about the incident. Uh, it was kind of hushed up. But also uh-huh. he says that Renna had originally lived in Hinamizawa before elementary school. So she's originally uh-huh. from town. So this is the point where Keiichi comes home and Mion and Renna bring Mochi. What's notable about this is this is at the time where Keiichi is really feeling tense about his friends. He's getting less and less comfortable with them. They ask him... Mian says, "Hey, what did you eat for lunch?" and and basically they say, "Hey, you were with this old-looking guy, right? Who is he? What were you doing?" And Keiji feels like he's being interrogated by them. Mm-hmm. So basically, somehow Mian and Rena became aware. How did they in the small town became aware that Keiji was talking to an older man and getting upset in a restaurant? Who who knows?
0: <laughs> I mean, especially when he's like sitting out in the parking lot with the like in a car with yeah. air conditioning on for uh 30 45 minutes at a time
1: yeah basically i think it's fair to say someone saw him in the restaurant and told me and rena that they saw him there which seems yeah. like a very normal thing to say especially if because during the conversation keiichi was getting very upset
0: yeah i mean one of the things that i think is important to think about here is that like keiichi is I mean to say that he's an unreliable. Oh, and narrator he
1: will be more. Like this is, is just a, start. Is a bit of
0: it. Yeah, to say that he's an unreliable narrator is a bit of an understatement. So yeah, it's it's very interesting to look at how he literally views things and then the other possibilities. But yeah, that, that's where I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah, ourselves. what
1: I did when I went through my second round and I was writing notes was write down every time that they had that kind of creepy cold sprite to write down mm-hmm. what they were actually saying because the things they're saying are not that different than they say before the festival like these are the uh-huh. kind of jokes that they make <laughs> like it, it it is very like me on to be like yeah i know everything i totally know this thing huh yeah
0: she even uses the same sort of speech quirks yep. like i told you there's nothing this old man doesn't know
1: and she keeps doing that but Katie's the one who's getting more and more paranoid and not playing along and taking it much more seriously maybe than yeah. they are but we'll get into that. Mm-hmm. Renna says Keiji's not looking so good and he should lie down. They giggle to each other as they head out and Keiji finds it kind of creepy. Because <laughs> he's already unnerved by the fact that they know so much about him. Mm-hmm. Mian gave him the challenge to find out which mochi was made by Renna. Something to know about the scene is that this is the beginning of Keiji looking at things and saying, This look, this is something that's like a... Uh, something so like he says it's something that looks like a sewing needle Uh, he starts being very separate from what he's looking at like this is very much dissociating like he throws yeah he throws the mochi at the wall and then is surprised that he throws the mochi at the wall before he um ate the mochi he was like well if this is from me on i would suspect to be a trap but she said it was from renna so it's not going to be a trap. So I would put some question marks. Something to keep in mind is that Keiichi at some point tries to look for a needle and never finds one.
0: Yeah. The police never um, find a needle either. He he also even writes a note to himself, like, where, was there Was a there needle? a needle?
1: <laughs> and yeah. Um, the, this is one point where
0: I, I mentioned the anime because if you were watching the anime, which I, I don't necessarily think the Higurashi anime is the worst, but... As an adaptation, it makes some very clear choices to visually mm-hmm. present a lot of these things as absolutely real fact. fact. Yeah. yeah, And it's very, I mean, like, it's very hard to separate that out when in the visual novel, you don't see a needle. Yeah. You don't see Keiichi say like, oh, this is extremely obviously, I am confident beyond all doubt that this is a needle. But in the anime, it is very much like, here is a big needle we're going to see. And I think he even, like, pokes his own mouth and bleeds in the anime because he bit this needle.
1: Kind of the challenge with Ryukishi's adaptions into anime is that something changes with mysteries when you can visually see it. It kind of confirms itself in a way that writing text doesn't and it's something that shows up a lot in his writing is something where the character is so sure of something like undoubtedly sure of something that isn't true yeah it's something where there can be conflict between what a character knows and what we know to be true but it's really hard to do that when you have physically seen a character physically seeing something like then it becomes really hard to stop thinking of it as a fact
0: It is very difficult to pull off an unreliable narrator trope. Like, it is very difficult to really properly have an unreliable narrator. When you have that visual element and the camera itself is kind of the point of view that you're running from. Right. As opposed to in text, you have the point of view of a character who is not showing you these things. They're describing their thoughts or they're describing what they feel or you're like reading about it from a short distance away from them. So... In that way, it's very difficult to actually translate that into a visual medium unless you are very, very determined to preserve that mystery of, like, what is it that they saw or what is it that they actually experienced? And that's just really challenging in a visual medium, even if that is your goal.
1: Yeah. It's why the Umineko anime is bad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Listen... It can be
0: fun to watch, but it is a different, it becomes a different beast. Yeah. As much as I did enjoy the fact that they decided to, like, adapt the fact that there is red text and blue text <laughs> into literal colorful text in the screen. Yeah. yeah, it's uh, it's quite difficult to actually translate these works into a more visual medium than they already are. And I think that's one thing that I really appreciate about these games is that you get sort of this expectation that because it's a visual novel, right? Mm-hmm. That you are seeing things as they are. Right. Or like you're seeing people as they are and you're, you're hearing them describe events as they are. And that's not always necessarily the case because you, if you really think about it, you really aren't seeing that needle. The needle is something that I always use as a point of reference because like we didn't actually see the needle and in fact we saw Keiichi's uncertainty about the needle But I know a lot of people who played this and the first time you play this, it's it's very easy to feel very certain that there was a needle there.
1: So to kind of break down exactly what we know about this mochi. We know that there was some sort of prank on it because later on Keiji confronts Meon about it. He doesn't say needle, he says, hey, I could have choked on this, and Meeon's like, it was just a prank. So I don't know if there's at any point in the VN that shows you what it would have been, but there are a lot of questions surrounding what actually mm-hmm. the mochi is. So they never Meon never states what it is. Keiji doesn't state to her what it is. During the scene itself, he knows he feels something when he bites in. When he's looking at whatever the item is, he's very circular about it. He's like, this is... He's like, it's got a pointy end and it's got a circle like a needle. Like he's convincing himself it's a needle. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's something else that also has a loop and a pointy end, but I don't... Yeah, or, not that I far.
0: mean, honestly, yeah, like, there's a lot of things that I've thought about that this could possibly be from, like, you know, like, oh, she put a fingernail in there, <laughs> um, which is, like, gross, but also, like... You're not going to die from that. Right. But so like the intent of, you know, a kid puts something like a tiny part of a toothpick into a mochi versus a sewing needle is hugely different even though it is like wow that is going a bit far and kids are doing weird bad pranks but like the intention is what's important to Keiichi in that moment and the intention he interprets is that this is clearly a warning that I need to stay in line or else I am going to get murdered right
1: and so that's how he approaches this mochi from that point on we can move on. This entire conversation becomes relevant for the rest of the Mm -hmm. visual novel because pretty much from here on out, Keiichi's kind of interpreting everything that's going on around him. And so what I'm trying to do by the summary is to kind of undo Keiichi's perspective a little bit, I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're sort of trying to zoom out from what Keiichi is seeing and so like my summary was very much here is the camera lens through Keiichi's eyes Mm -hmm. and what literally happens as he states it, and if you're interpreting everything that happens exactly literally with no sort of underlying meaning or anything else like that. Right. And so we're sort of unraveling and unwinding that thread and figuring out, oh, okay. So there are a lot of tangles in this, actually.
1: Yeah. I think as I was going through it the second time, the big thing that I was trying to pay attention to was what is the source of certain information that Keiichi gets? What does he get that could verify? Like, we do see the tabloids to verify this fact that there is some sort of murder going on, not just the stories that Tomitake is saying. And then we get more and more information that from outside of them as it goes on and stuff like that is kind of helpful for breaking this stuff down. Mm Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's really interesting, too, because of the way that you can clearly see a lot of the different things that Keiichi hears are mm-hmm. not definitive statements, but he is almost always treating tiny snippets as absolute and definitive conclusions.
1: Like what we know about Meon and Rena right now is that they know about the concept of Oyashiro-sama and the curse and all that and they are concerned about it. Rena certainly mm. believes in it, but we don't know much else about their involvement outside of that we just know that Keiji definitely believes I mean something I haven't gotten into and maybe we can get to it more later is that Keiji finds out that all these murders are related to his friends but he never really kind of internalizes the idea that all his friends have some serious trauma yeah yeah like that's The first scene with Rena where she gets angry is, I think, kind of his first time seeing into the effects that trauma has had on his friends. And that's why he's so surprised, because Rena snaps, because by talking about secrets and acting like they owe him information, which is their trauma, it kind of makes sense for her to snap. Mm-hmm. But that kind of leads him like, well, that was the initiating moment. And now, now every time anyone gets angry, like, oh, it's reminding me of that moment where Renna became someone who wasn't Renna.
0: Yeah, I even wrote down here in the notes. So my first impression of Keiichi is, okay, this is a kid who I think believes he's genre savvy, but is not genre <laughs> yeah. savvy. Yeah. <laughs> and then this is also a kid who I think is really struggling to sort of like, he's just now feeling like he can have really genuine, sincere friendships, mm-hmm. and yet he's kind of got his like he's still a little bit too much focused on himself to really sort of understand what his friends are going
1: through and i think he's still self-conscious about the idea that he's not quite like them that he's still exactly he's still being let in
0: I think this is a very common sort of teen thing that you're very much really really in your head sometimes yeah. about figuring out what other people think of you how they are interacting with you what is going on there and we're just also seeing some extreme outcomes from yeah. that sort of thing
1: yeah okay so the next day when keiichi walks to school with rena she asks him about the mochi and he starts to freak out because he believes that they were trying to kill him with it and send a message he starts thinking Thinking about the incident he heard about from Oishi with Rena, and, like, he really kind of zones in and starts imagining what it would have been like, even though he knows very little information about it. He kind of imagines what it would have been like to be one of those classmates and kind of envisions himself there.
0: Yeah, he has an entire prolonged... I think what's most important about that is not just that he has a prolonged like daydream or or sort of like imagining sequence of what it would have been like to be a victim of that attack, but he sort of interprets and projects his own ideas of what Rena's motivations were yes. onto that.
1: Yes. It's very much like he's seeing her as, you know, as we said at the beginning of this episode, this creepy girl who's going to attack people, but he doesn't really stop enough to be like, okay, what would get Renna to attack these people who are her friends? There could be many, many reasons that they don't know and that we don't
0: know. Yeah, honestly, the second that I heard like the, the setup of that of like, oh yeah, so they're just like a group of three boys who are her friends. And then all of a sudden she like mm-hmm. snapped and went after them with bats. I was like... Okay so what they do. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so to reiterate, I, Runa, have long ago read the contents of the first volume and now just really read it fully for the first time just now. I managed to, ev- like, go through, like, the past number of years without any real Higarashi spoilers. Um, so this is just, like, me projecting off the cuff, like, what my thoughts yeah. are gonna be. Yeah.
1: So as they head to school, Keiji is not in the mood to deal with Satoko's pranks. He just kind of ignores it and sits down and kind of stews in his own paranoia. And he's really having trouble like he keeps finding himself like falling back into caring about his friends or worrying about how his friends are reacting to him and then he keeps being like no you can't you can't do that you you got to be strong. Hmm. This is the long start of Keiichi's very strange actions, which I kind of want to move out on all ends on. So, Keiichi was out sick for a day. Come back the next day, he's in a bad mood. He's just completely not acting himself. He's ignoring everyone. He randomly blurts out, Cut it out, Kaiichi Mariba! <laughs> Don't you realize they're, they're out to kill you? And then when he realizes they all heard that, he's muttered himself. You're too soft, Keiichi.
0: God, he... God, he is talking to himself like he is the protagonist of like a a noir crime thriller. (laughs)
1: Um, after school, when Renna tries, when they try to ask him to do club activities, he says no, but then they look sad about it. When he starts to waver, he slaps himself in the face. God, I am really
0: delighted by whenever we see the moments when Keiichi is very clearly a teen boy who is trying to take on the responsibilities of, like, like, seven adults worth of people. This dummy.
1: After dinner is where he really contemplates, like, I really should tell my parents something, but I can't tell them because they won't believe Believe me and I can't get them involved. During dinner he has no appetite, says the meal is completely tasteless even though it's not a meal that would make him excited normally. So after dinner he decides he's going to write a note about everything he knows. Well the simplified version, the not too much information version and he tapes it in the back of his clock. Then he goes tell his mother that if he were to die he would like to be buried with it as we said in the summary yeah and he does that so they'll know to look at the clock which is just a ri- which, is so ridiculous
0: it's ridiculous it's normal teen things but also like weirdly is normal teen He's things like, because because
1: i made this clock in shop i it's really important to me please mom please mom yeah. if i die bury it with me
0: yeah yeah no no yeah it's 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 this weird sort of intersection between, like, extremely overdramatic teen thing on one hand, which is, I think, what his mom probably thinks yeah. it is. And then also, like, him being extremely, like, placing so much weight on the things that are going on yeah. and, like, taking them to the absolute furthest possible extent.
1: So I've actually been numbering the days as this goes on. So next day, it's the fifth day since the festival. Hmm. Kate he leaves the house extra early. He forgoes lunch, he forgoes breakfast, he like grabs a toast so that he will be out of the house before Renna comes by. As he's walking to school Down a narrow road, a car nearly runs him completely over. In that moment, it's like he does a mind trick where he slows down time and he realizes the exact way he needs to fall in order to not be completely (laughs) run over by the car and he gets slightly hit by the the side the side mirror. When he falls into the mud, the car has stopped a little away, but when he gets up, it speeds off.
0: Mm. Okay, she unlocked bullet time.
1: Yeah. After this, he fears that the whole village is his enemy because he's feeling like he's being completely surveyed. At school, he, as we talked about, he goes and finds someone to use his weapon. He eventually finds the bat in an old school locker, and he goes outside and he just starts swinging that bat just out in the open. <laughs> he's like, <sighs> it's like, yeah, I'm just gonna keep swinging. I'm gonna practice my swing. And then Meown and Run arrive, and they look at him all confused. They're like. Are you joining the basketball club? And he's like, Yes, I'm joining the, the basketball the baseball club. Th- Thank you. Thank baseball you. Club. Not this. <laughs> The baseball club <laughs>
0: Listen, I don't know I don't know much about about those either, but
1: the baseball club. And he said, Yes, that's what I'm doing. And then he gets angry at himself because he easily fell into a conversation with them and then he starts mm. banging the bat down on the ground. He's having a time. <laughs>
0: He is having quite a time. The, the The jokes in this situation also are not that far off from the normal jokes yeah. that they're also telling, too. Like, they joke about, hey, good luck going to the Nationals, <laughs> which is, like, very tongue-in-cheek given that this is a rural town. There's no baseball
1: yeah. team. And they're like, yeah, you're really going to go for... Like, they know this is weird, and they're just kind of joking it off a little bit. Because as we will see, oh. that's kind of their way of dealing with the tension. Then it's something that Keiichi does, does not read. After school, uh, Keiichi says he doesn't want to do club activities again. Rena wonders if he's embarrassed to hang out with a group of girls. He kind of feels bad about that, but he pushes himself to just leave. He can't can't interact with them. They're dangerous. They want to kill him. Bad time. Mm-hmm. as he's walking home he notices that someone is following him he gets really paranoid it's Rena. she has basically followed him partly because they both head home in the same direction but also because she she really just wants to ask him what's up really she's like why are you suddenly going around with this bat uh why are you going around with this bat that Satoshi used to have why are mm-hmm. you acting just like he did before he was transferred and then Casey's like well what happened to Satoshi and she's like I told you he transferred out. He transferred. God,
0: this part is really, really amazing. Because if you believe Keiichi's perspective, mm-hmm. then every single time this gets reiterated, it becomes more and more sinister. Like, it's a threat.
1: Like, he transferred out. You're not going to transfer out, right, Keiichi-kun? But in, if you look at it from an outside perspective, she's like, you're not going to transfer out, right? I mean, you're not like satoshi why are you acting like satoshi and we never really find out what happened to satoshi in this episode and we don't know what rena means by transferred out we we know it's a euphemism for what happened um, Mm -hmm. because this is a sensitive topic
0: yeah and it really like when you're looking at it and being like okay so let's assume that this is actually a normal conversation (laughs) and not like a weird veiled threat that's happening right then It's very clear that Renna is struggling to figure out how to talk about this and is really, really worried that one of her close friends, who she's been having a really good time hanging out with Mm -hmm. and who she feels really comfortable around, is now suddenly also acting like a person who... something bad or something happened to him that you know, like they they're not hanging out anymore. He's not around. So yeah, you can really see why, you know, Renna was like, okay, I'm going to follow you and then ask you why is this happening? Why are you doing
1: all of this? Yeah, I, I could cry about Rena in this episode all day. Rena, it's gonna only gonna get worse and I I'm so I sorry know. for her. I love she's so bright trying really hard.
0: Rena, Renna is good. Renna is Good is my, like, formal verdict and opinion. Yeah.
1: I'm sure things will get more complicated in other episodes, but at least here I'm pretty comfortable in how we talk about Uh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Keiji goes home, but he's convinced someone is still following him. He can feel their presence, like he can hear the sound of their hair and the sound of their blinking, but when he turns, there's no one there so instead he attacks the shoe cabinet and the wall and makes a complete mess of it, Uh, but there was no one there. Hmm. Shortly after, his mom calls and tells him that they are going off to Tokyo for a job thing, and it's six hours away, so they won't be returning tonight. They'll be back tomorrow at some point, I guess.
0: Yeah, do we know what part of Japan Hinamizawa is in generally? I think it's... I mean, I know it's pretty far from
1: Tokyo, but... I don't know in what direction. I feel like it's
0: towards the north on Honshu but I'm sure we'll figure it out eventually. Yeah sh- as there will probably the more, more information.
1: I mean they talk about different regions in the area but I don't I didn't ever look it up on a map, so that would probably give this a sense of where it is. I also really want to know what's going on with his parents because so one of the tips that we can probably go ahead and talk about now is that they have moved into what is called the Mayabara Mansion because it's such a large house. For yes. the, his dad's studio, it's got its own entrance into the garage for showing on the studio. They don't make a lot of money, but Keiji says they make like an average household, but they're always kind of struggling to find work. I just find it oddly suspect that they needed to go to Tokyo overnight tonight but so yeah the the
0: excuse that his mom gives is that oh you know honey how your father is very particular about this and he wants to deal with it on his own you know he really wants to be there and Katie's like what the heck why couldn't this be a phone call like every other thing about work is is a phone call Why Why is this not working? I
1: guess we're still going through this interpretation as though there's nothing weird happening. So we'll put that aside. But I, have a, I wouldn't you know, be surprised if uh, that comes up again in a different volume. Yeah,
0: the thing about that one is that I i suspect that there's like some other things happening. Yeah. But it's not necessarily all to do with like, oh, okay, so this is confirmation that Keiichi's paranoia is real and all of his friends are out to kill him. It's something that's, like, suspicious, but I think it it's something that is suspicious for a completely different yeah. reason, but causes Keiichi to believe that he is definitely right when he thinks that Rena is evil and going to hack him to bits. There's the definitely creeper.
1: something going on in this town, and I'm not saying that Neon oh, yeah. or Rena don't know some stuff about what's going on in this town. I'm just saying that the interactions that happen in this episode probably aren't really related.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. like. Literally, I, yeah, yeah, it's, it's very, it's very much like a difficult sort of narrative to piece together just because when you step back and realize that Keiichi has an extremely distorted perspective Mm -hmm. because of how he's getting this information and what assumptions he's going in with and the anxieties he's has about like fitting Mm -hmm. in feeding into that and then also the fact that like all the adults around him are like plying him in different directions it's really hard to piece together what could actually be going on which actually makes it i think a perfect first volume yeah i love it as a first volume yeah
1: there is a very limited field of scope we only know what KG knows we only know what KG is finding out so we only have the information that he's He knows to try and connect to things. Exactly. So we talked about his parents being gone. (laughs) He he basically is like, oh no, what if the people know I'm home alone? So he goes around, he runs, turns the living room light on, turns on the TV, goes to the study, turns on light, turns on music playing, then realizes they use the car to go to the station. So then he runs to the garage, closes the garage door. He realizes laundry's still hanging. He grabs it, pulls it inside, and then he's like, all right. Looks like everyone's home. Oh, and he grabs the mail. He's like, all right. It's as though, Mom, we're home.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, that, that, a his metric of using it, yeah, his metric of, like, oh, I have to do the things that Mom would do to make sure that people think that she is yeah. home as, like, his big stamp is, yeah. He's good. It's,
1: it's very sweet.
0: It, it's, it's very, yeah, it's very much, like, it is incredible to see this story and how the teens act a lot like teens. Even though, like, at first, you think, "Oh, well, these teens are all acting really weird." But when you actually look at it, it's like, "No, actually, these
1: teens are exactly." This teens. might be one of my favorite representations of actual teens that I've seen in a story yeah. in a long time. Yeah. So the phone phone rings. Keiichi answers it. It's a, another villager asking for his mom, and he's like, "Oh, she's not here." And he's like, "Crap! Wasn't supposed to say that." <laughs> he's like, "Oh, uh, she's not around right now. She's coming back soon." And the villager's like, "That's okay. Just call and see. All right." He's like, "Dang it! I need to be better about this." <laughs> Then he gets another call, and this time it's Soishi who is once again trying to use his front of being at a bookstore to talk to a child. But God! <laughs> So Keiichi tells him he believes someone is after him, and he tells Oishi about the needle he found in the mochi, and Oishi's like, did you keep the needle? That's evidence. Go find it. And he goes to where he had thrown the mochi, he doesn't find a needle, he starts hunting through the trash, he doesn't find a needle, and he writes in red pen on a note on the refrigerator, was there a needle? So he can remember to ask was his mom. Was there a needle? I would love to know what his mom would have said to that. God. Spoilers. We don't get the chance to ask. Dun, dun, da, da, dun. dun. While Keiichi is telling Oishi about everything that's happening, the doorbell rings. Keiichi leaves Oishi on the phone and goes to check the door. It's Renna. She asks him if he's eaten yet, and he says, no, I haven't. And she says, good, I brought a whole bunch of dishes for you. And he's like, I don't need dishes. I We've got a fine meal right here already done. <laughs> <laughs> and Renna's like, I didn't know you could cook. He's like, oh, my mom made it. I don't, hmm? And she's like, I can probably guess what you're going to be eating. Let me guess. I bet it only needs boiled water. He's like, how would you know that? And she's like... It, I bet it's ramen. I bet it's pork and bone ramen. And if ginger. I'm not mistaken. Yeah, pork, pork bone and bone ginger and ginger ramen. Ginger. And he freaks out. He's like, "You've been watching me." She's like, "Yeah, I was right behind you when you were at this thing with your parents." And like, there's a whole tip where you see his interaction with his parents. It's the same thing that Rena tells him that she saw, which is, yeah, basically he wanted a whole bunch of types, and his mom was like, "Just choose one big one. We don't need a whole bunch of types." And he chose his favorite. And like, he goes into his, I believe you'd call it the mind palace. <laughs> or he's like or he remembers the memory and he's looking around inside his memory and he's like Rena wasn't there in my memory but he didn't see her so yeah, Obviously, Renna was there. God, the way that this tip
0: goes is really fascinating to me because it's just like, Keiichi, he's like trying to- So I can
1: bend my mind. I can find out whether she's there. Yeah, strain
0: himself to like brute force perception of where Renna is in his memory. And I mean, obviously he can't do that because I don't think he noticed Renna at the time- so, so
1: she's not going to be in his memory.
0: Yeah, he's really just sort of like talking himself in circles and getting paranoid. And this is the point where, of course, you sort of start to see his memory distort. Yeah. yeah.
1: So Renick starts to get really upset because she knows he's lying. He's like, is your mom really at home? And he's like, yeah, of course. Then she starts yelling, you're lying. I think it's pretty clear how she could have known that his mom wasn't there. Pretty yeah. easy for her to have seen in the garage. The car wasn't there. And then she went home to make food excited that she could make it for him
0: there's also a note in i think like the very final tips or like the very final sections that even when the car was Mm -hmm. it was always open they always left the garage door open so it's like very weird and suspicious for the garage door to be closed so yeah it's something where like all the pieces are pretty innocuous when you look at them On their own. But then Keiichi is also interpreting them in the absolute most sinister way. And he's just panicking.
1: So after the whole where Rena guessed that he was going to eat ramen, Keiichi just gets more and more upset and Rena puts her fingers through the door and kind of tries to implore him to let her in, which is maybe not the smartest move, Rena, but...
0: I mean, if... Listen, if I were... I mean, I wouldn't do that just because I'm terrified of someone closing the door on my fingers, Uh but... If you were the sort of person who was like, well, surely my friend wouldn't slam the door on my fingers, it would probably be like, oh, yeah, I'll definitely do this, and that will like.
1: Not yeah more. let me in let me that in i've got play- dinner for you yeah it'll it'll be a playful thing she kind of breaks down like all the things she brought like side dishes just like even if you make ramen side dishes would go good with it like she's really trying to just she knows things up with Katie and she's trying to yeah kind of work things out we get more scenes later where it's very obvious that she's just trying to figure out what's going on with him mm-hmm. but basically when they are both pretty much really upset about him lying about his mom not being home and her knowing these facts that she shouldn't know he slams the door shut on her fingers (laughs) and it's so bad and she's crying she's saying how much it hurts she starts repeating i'm sorry over and over and over again meanwhile he is aggressively holding the door shut because he is freaking out it's it's so rough it's so rough it's really yeah they uh, for
0: as much as this game does make it very very clear that like you know this is Keiichi's perspective and it's it's unreliable like the descriptions are still incredibly visceral
1: and to be clear a lot of what Rena is doing like it comes across as creepy because there is overlay of Keiichi's paranoia but she's Mm -hmm. we've been with Rena when he didn't have that lens and this is how she acts like this is Yeah. In a different lens, none of this feels unusual to Rena, the character.
0: Yeah, I actually, I did not actually put it together, but I actually thought about doing a silly thing where you copy and paste lines of dialogue from the characters Mm -hmm. that they say when they're, like, in creepy demon mode versus, like, normal things that they say when they're hanging out at the festival. And then you swap them around and try to see, okay, which line... It would work so well. Yeah. It'd be, like, a really fun game to play, too. It's like, hey, okay... Was this line said by like possessed Rena or regular mm-hmm. Rena? And I mean, really, yeah, there are very few things that, other than when Rena is like getting really mm-hmm. angry and agitated about Keiichi lying, right. which that's something that he always takes as absolute proof that this person is not Rena. Right.
1: But that's clearly it because it's a pressure point for her. And exactly. We don't know enough about Rena's inner thoughts, but Yeah, we
0: don't we don't get any interiority from right. any other character, I don't think, except for maybe we get a tiny bit from Oishi right. at the very end or like in a couple tips, but in general this is all in Keiichi's head.
1: It is very clear that this app is giving us well not really the facts, but it's getting us set setup <laughs> for us to dig into this stuff later like the fact that all these murders are really kind of established as this like creepy thing that's happening and not this real life Mm -hmm. thing that is happening to his friends makes it clear that we're going to be exploring that a lot more in the later episodes absolutely so yeah finally her fingers slip out and she's released from it she falls down the door slams but she keeps saying i'm sorry i'm sorry and she begs him to let her inside but she turns away and runs up to his room and gets back on the phone call with Oishi. And he looks at the clock. He's surprised that really not that much time has passed. Oishi hasn't been waiting that long.
0: Mm -hmm. I mean, when you're in that scene, it also feels like, oh my God, this must have been like 20, 30, 40 minutes that he's been right here downstairs. And then like, Oishi's like, huh? Oh, no. Yeah, I'm here. Yeah. Whatever.
1: So yeah, he tells Oishi he thinks Renna has evolved, but he doesn't have any evidence besides circumstantial, and Oishi is clearly disappointed because he wanted information. Yeah. This is the moment where is like, I'm really just a bait on a fishing line for him, and I'm not really a concern unless I have actual facts actual evidence yeah
0: he is definitely like okay so i need to find physical evidence that will somehow implicate my friends yeah. in this crime yeah. so that this detective can close the case and i mean yeah as we've mentioned before he goes from like thinking okay i'll do this and then i'll be safe to okay i'll at least set this up so that after i die yeah. justice will be served uh,
1: and it's, <sighs> um then he asks oishi to tell him more about what he found out about Rena. First, Oishi doesn't really want to, um, but he caves and says, hey, this is confidential information. He stresses that some of the information could be untrue. Um, It all came from either phone calls or meetings or interviews, and it's something he heard about secondhand.
0: Mm. And some of them, like, literally, he just, like, showed his badge to someone Did not have a warrant, didn't really have a reason to question them, but just was sort of like plying his authority as a detective to get people
1: to talk. He talked to a nurse who happened to walk in while Rena was talking to a doctor and had Mm -hmm. gotten clips of what she said. Yeah. He says that people involved weren't really willing to talk, and he suspects that either the school or some individual kept it from going public. And he mentions that the psychologist was very strict with their professional ethics. Yep.
0: Yeah, yeah. I wonder why a child psychologist would just not, like, divulge the entirety of their session transcripts to a detective when he doesn't have a warrant. And why would you do that when that's not a case you're assigned to and it's not even an open case? Yeah
1: all bad but he must know before he retires he must solve definitely surely
0: of course with absolute certainty the traumatic experience that this girl went through at a different school in a different town has to be connected with the mysterious string of murders in this small town village where she's from
1: yeah that's how that works (laughs) sure (laughs) but he's looking for pretty much any stone unturned because he's just that desperate sounds like a detective Mm. After this point, the scene cuts away and we get what he tells Keiichi in the next chapter for dramatic effect. But I went ahead and put it here just so that we can kind of fully disclose what Katie knows at this point. Mm-mm. So he says, uh, neither the victims nor the school filed a complaint. There was no preliminary report. The Police haven't been involved. He says that Rena attacked three boys using a metal bat. The third instance with the metal bat, I guess. Two of them only had bruises. One had a permanent damage to his eye. Um, They never pressed charges. They were all wary about talking about it, even after Rena transferred away. And then, basically, Keiichi summarizes everything he knows. On an undisclosed date, Rena Ryugu was conversing with three male students, close friends of hers near the pool storage shed. They were a group of friends with her as the only girl in the group, as we said in our earlier summary. There was some (laughs) sort of heated discussion. Rena grabbed one of the baseball team's bats and attacked one after the other. Then she made it to the school building and started breaking all the wood. The mm-hmm. boy said there was a sudden change in her and Keiichi thinks of the past time when Rena, with Rena where she lashed out and kind of had that dramatic change. Mm. When asked, the school claims that the incident never happened. When speaking with the counselor, Rena said that everything had happened because she left Hinamizawa and Osh- uh, Oshiro-sama oh, yes, had come for her. Yeah. So that's kind of a summary of what... Everything we know about Rena.
0: The way that Oishi relays this information from the nurse who heard a snippet Mm -hmm. of it in the therapy session is very fragmented. And I even, like, as it was happening, I took notes as, like, this is absolutely just, like, tiny bits and Mm -hmm. pieces of things. And because the name Oyashiro-sama comes up, it's being treated as an absolute, like, cohesive clue that definitely makes sense, even though they don't have the full context for it. So Keiichi and Oishi are definitely sort of laying context around this when we don't know exactly what, right. like how that all happened. And clearly what
1: we do know is that when she was in Hinamizawa she was a child when she learned about Oyashiro Sama and I think it's fair to say that probably that concept is being used um, for, yeah. for her to kind of conceptualize something.
0: Yeah, the one thing that comes out of that that's like oh, this is very spooky creepy is the mention that Rinna had said, I think in that therapy session that Oyashiro-sama visits her at night and stands by her pillow, Mm -hmm. which again, it is very spooky creepy, builds up that atmosphere, but it also is a line taken completely out of context and we don't know what questions the therapist was asking or what exactly that feeds into. And also, you know, this is partly, again, Keiichi is assuming that All of these things are because of a supernatural disturbance or a curse or the vengeance of a god and not any other possible thing. Specifically, whenever, like the explanation could easily be, oh, your friends have some deep-seated childhood trauma.
1: For Keiichi, he only kind of sees it in two options. Either there's a wide conspiracy that his friends play a part in, which clearly is what he kind of leans into, but then also this idea of Oyashiro-sama controlling his friends' actions. So that's kind of his only... (laughs) There, in fact, are other options, Keiichi. (laughs) So, as Oishi is talking to him over the phone, the starts to downpour. Keiichi gets up to close the window and sees a figure out by the mailbox. It's Rena standing there without an umbrella, soaking wet. Her mouth is moving nonstop. From where he's standing, he's able to read her lips, and she's repeating, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, over and over again. Mm
0: -hmm. That one was... That one's really hard to read. Like, yeah, it's very much hard because you also have, while that's happening, Keiichi being like, wow, it's so creepy that she's just standing out there getting soaked in the rain saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry.
1: I'm just like crying for her. Mm Mm-hmm. So then we get to the sixth day after the festival. Um, Katie has tried to force himself to stay awake so he can vigilantly watch to make sure no one comes in and kills him. He considers staying home, but he realizes he won't get any evidence for Oishi if he stays home. So he goes to school. He gets his bat and he starts swinging it outside again. God. He and Rena meet eyes but don't speak to each other. She tells uh, the other students that the wounds on her hand are from hurting herself in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mian is the one who approaches him. She tries to, you know, play it cool and casual, but eventually she straight up says, is, hey just stop swinging that bat stop carrying that bat around everywhere and she tells him he's bothering people And she's like who who am i bothering what are you gonna tell me anything about why this bothers you and he tells her he knows that it's satoshi's bat and she's surprised that he even knows who satoshi is and then he starts getting angry about her keeping secrets and tells her that he knows all about the curse and the murders um and Mion just gets more upset and kind of doesn't know what to say to him. Then he talks about the mochis. Philly what he says is, oh by the way those get well mochi you brought the other day they were good. I thought I was going to bleed. Miao you know, gets upset but admits that she was the one who did it. Never says what it is. But she does claim it was a prank. Keiji only gets more angry and straight up tells her that he's been talking to the police. And <laughs> God. <laughs> From his perspective, maybe not the best choice but it's fine.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, of course. Okay, so my stance, my firm stance on this, don't talk to the cops. But, I mean, like, especially in this situation, yeah, that scene is also really rough yeah. because it starts off with me on trying to be really cool mm-hmm. and you see her break yeah. down and cry. Yeah, as he turns
1: away, she starts to cry and he overhears as she starts talking to herself. She's like, so that's how it is. So it was that bastard who leaked it all to KHM. And she's like, I'm just, I'm going to kill that old man. Which, from his perspective, sounds like an actual murder threat, like... A sign of things getting bad, like, oh no, I've thrown Oishisen to to the wolves. But really, she's just getting really angry that this old man has been feeding information to Keiji and separating him from his friends.
0: Yeah, also, you know, like, Mion has the right idea, like, first off, like, that has Oishi actually told Keiji anything that was beneficial in any way other than making him extremely paranoid and manipulating him in order to, like, close
1: his case he's been giving information out of context only from the viewpoint of a police report none of Mm -hmm. the context surrounding it there's also like god i could
0: go on for days about the way that police detectives sort of like come in with their assumptions about how the facts of a case should fit together And how they use that to sort of develop informants in order to fill in a picture that they need to make an arrest. And, like, there's a lot of... Oh, it, there's a lot. And, I mean, it's different in the U.S. and Japan, right. to be clear. But also, there are a lot of things that you can read if you get curious and you want to learn about police culture in Japan about how this is like a a very common tactic where police in Japan, especially detectives, whenever there are big crimes and murders and things, rely very heavily on informants from the community. Mm. And so what we're seeing is that there's a police detective who is butting up against a community that has a high level of solidarity (laughs) within itself.
1: And so here's this child that he's going to have to use because that's his best bet yeah it's like oh
0: no the community is like all together on this because there was a dam that threatened the entire thing so now everybody's like on the same page and I I can't turn one against the other so I guess I'm gonna have to use this one outsider that I found just now yeah
1: on his way home after school Cage again senses that someone is following him or at least walking behind him and it's Rena and she is smiling and carrying a hatchet Hmm. first he hides at the side of her but Rena is like are you hiding we're playing hide and seek so in Instead, he starts walking and he just keeps walking just straight in a direction to try and get away from her. But she just follows along. As they're talking, Renna gets upset again, but basically says, Look, I really regretted it when Satoshi transferred out. I thought if I had done something, maybe it wouldn't have happened like that. So I told myself, if something like that started to happen again, I would vow to help anyone who was struggling like that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think she even says, I can help save you.
1: Yeah. I'm your ally. I can help mm-hmm. you talk to me. And all the while, she's laughing, and I think that's probably a nervous habit. It doesn't read that way from Keiichi's perspective, but... Yeah. There's a lot of laughter around Rena that I kind of interpreted that way
0: yeah there's also a lot that I'm actually not a hundred percent convinced that whenever we see laughing on the screen that it's always laughing
1: right oh there's one that was like where the laughing was like breathing and it's like are yeah, you just yeah, yeah. interpreting breathing heavy breathing is laughing
0: yeah there's also like i don't know how much i stick to this idea now but right when i was reading i did have the momentary idea it's like wait is he actually just like thinking that the cicadas around oh. <laughs> making that sound are rena doing this sinister laugh that's that's a neat idea but yeah it's very interesting this scene in particular because keiichi is very clearly looking at rena carrying this hatchet and being like why would she possibly be carrying this hatchet unless she was going to kill me whereas before earlier in the game we saw Rena carrying a hatchet to the landfill to dig out Colonel Sanders and Keiichi was like oh my god if someone saw Rena like this we even
1: at some point we even saw Tomatake seeing Rena with the hatchet smiling and he was like uh do I need to call someone and Casey's like no it's fine it's fine
0: (laughs) yeah yeah he was joking with it and he was playing it all it's yeah it really does a good job of setting up these contrasting points within this episode. And I think I think it's also laying a pretty good foundation for the rest of the series, too. Yeah.
1: So Renan implores him to talk to her, and she promises that she'll listen and be his ally. She says, If Keiichi-kun doesn't have anything to worry about, he'll go back to normal. Everyone will be friends again, and we can enjoy club activities. Next time we'll team up and we'll beat Michan. And she starts laughing and even Kate, she's like, yeah, I wish, I wish we could do that. I, I want to go back to the way things were, but he's still freaked out by her. He's still trying to get away from her until he falters while he's, I think he's like walking in the mountains and then Rena approaches him. He sees her as holding the hatchet over her head. She's definitely mm-hmm. holding the hatchet. I don't know if I believe that she's holding it over her head.
0: Yeah. If you go and you read that passage, the way that it is described is extremely particular.
1: Mm-hmm. When she's standing over him, he asks her about the murders, and she tells him that it's all Oyoshi samas curse. And she says, you've been sensing oyashiro sama too, right? This feeling of someone being there with you and apologizing over and over and over again.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's kind of a thread that I assume will keep going on, but is also a thread throughout this episode. Like, the very oh, yeah. beginning started off with someone apologizing and Keiichi thinking, we'll just forgive them, and... Rena says, until you forgive them, they'll always be with you. So this idea that you have to forgive Oyashiro-sama or else they'll keep hunting you. Mm-hmm. So I think that's going to be something we see more of in the future, but that's a little kind of look into how Rena views mm. all the stuff that's going on.
0: Yeah, definitely. I really like the fact that we got Rena's perspective on this because it it really muddies the waters if you're Keiichi. Mm-hmm. Like, because... I mean, like, Renna is a person who we've seen previously, does not always talk about things in a very direct, straightforward, and literal manner.
1: Something we're seeing real hard here is that she is heavily conflict-averse. Mm-hmm. So she's she's working really hard almost to placate Keiichi, who is acting not good. <laughs> And I think we're getting a little bit of a look into kind of these defense mechanisms that Renna has and how they're conflicting really badly with the way K.H.G. is acting.
0: Definitely. Definitely.
1: So she reaches out to him and asks him to tell her everything but at that point he's completely freaked out and he pushes her away. She's light as a feather apparently and he runs and runs and runs, finds himself at the dreaded dam. Um, <laughs> this is where he sees people approaching him. I'm not entirely sure how I interpret this scene. Um, you kind of talked about how it could have been someone seeing that he's acting strange and trying to yeah
0: there are a couple different ways to interpret this scene i mean if you go pretty literal and just believe that it
1: it could be literal and it could not be so this is kind of one that i've kind of put off to the side to be like needs more information it's this scene so there's a couple scenes they would either have to be complete hallucinations Mm -hmm. or they are some sign of something going on outside of hey kind of perspective and that's the car that nearly runs him over Mm -hmm. these two men and then we see a collection of people and someone in a lab coat with the car that nearly ran him over later on which we'll get to like those are the three things where i'm like okay i'm setting those aside i don't feel like i have enough information to answer that yet
0: yeah yeah so those are the sorts of things where we can go all the way from like like you said they're literal hallucinations and did Mm -hmm. not happen Mm -hmm. to these people are here and maybe some of the events that happen do happen happen, but the reason that they're happening or the intention behind them is wildly different than what Keiichi interprets.
1: Or maybe he is being surveyed. I think that's totally an option. Yeah, So he, this is another one of his, uh, time slows down and he thinks about how he needs to address it and he he runs to the side so he's unexpectedly at a different angle so he can swing the bat at them and look surprised, but they do end up grabbing him and he blacks out, um, but he wakes up in his room uh, and Renna is there. She tells him she called the doctor and that he was conscious and she helped him walk home Mm. we don't have enough information really to know if that's true or not i think there's two possibilities either that happened or the people who grabbed him did and Rana knows them but then why did they just leave like there's questions there maybe he did just walk home with her
0: yeah i mean you mentioned before that like oh there are moments where keiji seems like he's about to dissociate
1: right um that's true he could have just completely dissociated in that moment yeah
0: um as someone who's done that before Mm -hmm. um (laughs) Sometimes that, I mean, like, I know it seems like weird for a visual novel because, like, how, how do you render that? But I mean, like, sometimes that's that yeah. kind of is how you render that. Like, yeah. you just have a gap of missing time or points where your recollection is really hazy or you feel like, oh, I remember that, but I thought that was just like a weird daydream.
1: Right, right. So Rena's there, and KG's kind of surprised that she didn't kill him when she had the chance yeah because she seems to be caring for him and not have taken any action to hurt him but he wants to call oishi and tell him what's going on as he's considering escaping to the bathroom to call him the door bell rings and he assumes it's the doctor but it is Mion who rena called and came over to check up on keiji basically they uh convinced him to lie down and while he's lying down mia and rena start talking about a person called the manager and Rena says that she called the manager right after she called Mion. And Katie is really unnerved by this reference to a manager because the only thing he can think of with a manager is the foreman who died. Yeah, he's going real down a uh, rabbit hole with that, with his imagination yes. with that one.
0: I have some thoughts on this too, but we'll get to those when, once you finished with. Well, this. Well,
1: for one thing, he's he's like, well, why did you call the doctor Mion and then the manager? I suspect the manager could be the doctor. They never talk about three people. Ah. Uh. Okay. So I could be wrong, but Rena mentions that she called a doctor, and then when she's talking to Mion, she mentions that she called the manager after calling Mion. So mm, 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 mm. they never refer to three people in once, but K H G takes it as three, as I suspect uh, that is probably the case. But it could mm. also be the mayor or something, someone who's dealt with this kind of stuff before, and.
0: Yeah, them, my, maybe. yeah, my actual suspicion is for the timeline of this last day that, so Keiji had that exchange with on and mm-hmm. really upset her. Right. She went back and talked to some people, maybe members of her family, mm-hmm. and then word got around town that this detective was really riling things up and trying right. to, like implicate people. Right. Two people from the town who got kind of agitated about that found Keichi and mm-hmm. beat him up because they were <laughs> pissed off about it. Um fair. And then the other people, including the doctor and the other dudes, were coming over to sort of talk to him about what the detective had told him and then sort of maybe like square things away from the village's perspective. Is right. that's just just my general interpretation of like no, how fair. things yeah. That's my thought about, okay, here's how things might happen in a way that is like, I mean, it's not not suspicious, but it is not the thing that Keiichi expects is happening.
1: So he's like, who's the manager? Who's this manager person? I've never heard of that. And of course, you know, Mian and Renna start joking about it. They're like, oh, you know, the manager's the manager. Those managing things... (laughs) Mion jokes that the manager will be happy to hear that he's gotten into baseball lately which was my kind of big thing for the manager also being the doctor Mm. but they just kind of continue to tease him but then Mion's like well before the manager gets here we need to do your penalty game which was you know the penalty for not guessing which of the Mm mochi was renna's i don't remember how much we talked about this well we did from katie's perspective so so this is another instance like the needle Mm-hmm. I mean, literally, like the
0: needle because it's about a needle.
1: keiichi sees Meon have something that looks like a syringe while Rena holds him down, and he asks them what they're gonna do to him, and they joke, "Well, we're gonna do what we did to Tomitake." And as he continues to freak out, they're like, "You know what? You know what we're doing." Yeah. And then Meon grabs his shirt, and that's when things black out. So uh-huh. to compare these things to things that happened to Tomitake, <laughs> yeah. Um... To be clear. They took a marker and wrote all messages on Tomatake's shirt. Exactly. This was a very sweet moment where they expressed themselves. I think it's very likely that this is what they were going to be doing.
0: Yeah. And I was also thinking about, like, it, something that looks like a syringe. Uh-huh. If you've... I mean, like, markers are roughly the same shape, shape. and width. If you're covering one end of them, they yeah. could roughly look about the same. And, like... I know it is a stretch and you could say like, wow, I wouldn't mistake a syringe for a marker. But then if you only see someone have something sort of halfway and they're deliberately trying to sort of hide it from you to like mess with you a little bit. Yeah. And also you're extremely paranoid. Yeah, you can really see why KG could literally see a marker and his friends are going to like write some dumb thing on his like shirt or his stomach and he like thinks that they are about to do a, him a murder. Yeah,
1: I don't, I don't think it's any big stretch to say that Kate going through a case of hysteria right now. And yeah, um,
0: rather than hysteria, I, I don't know that that's what we would call it. I, hmm. I think. More more specifically, like, more practically, he's having a psychotic break, I think. Um, I don't know exactly how uh, Ryukishi wrote this, but Ryukishi has some familiarity with a lot of... I mean, like, I get the impression that Ryukishi's has read the DSM. Yeah. um, But, like, he definitely has familiarity with the way that people sort of perceive themselves in the world under certain sorts of certain conditions like this. And so I I think Keiichi is having either like a strong dissociative episode or Mm -hmm. uh, something along those lines.
1: So yeah, so Keiichi blacked out. Mm-hmm. When he wakes up, it seems like Meon and Rena aren't there. But when he sits up, he sees that their corpses are on the floor, covered in blood, beaten to death by his bat. Mm. But at first, he can't remember why this happened. He's like, did somebody come in here and do this to them? But slowly, he can remember the memory of it. Not like he did it, but like he can kind of play the videotape in his mind and see that he was the one Mm -hmm. who did it. As he's still deciding what to do, he's like, should I call the police? And you talk to something about in your summary, like, can I talk to them about this being defense? But at that time is when we see the people in the white coat and the car he recognizes coming outside. So he quickly jots some extra messages down on his note in the clock. And he also aggressively tapes the syringe, quote unquote. Uh, to the back of the clock. Mm-hmm. And then he runs away. From that point, for the most part, we've kind of gone over. Keiichi keeps running into the forest. He's getting an increased sense that oyashiro sama is there following him in his footsteps. And then he finds a payphone and calls Oishisan. And by the time anyone finds him, he has clawed out his neck and he's taken to the hospital and dies 24 hours later. But we get a postscript, which is the police report. So basically the report case states... There was a murder of two female students at their male classmate's home after he called them to his house, and then he beat them with a metal bat. And it makes sense. Renna did call me on from his phone, Uh so it does make sense that it would look to the police like he had called them to his house. Mm-hmm. The crime scene was his bedroom, which was covered in blood with signs of a struggle with the victims. The entryway, living room, and kitchen all had signs of a struggle. In the entryway, the show rack and the wall had been impacted by a strong blunt force, presumed to have happened before the murders because there was no blood. possible there was aggression that was used to keep the victims from fleeing. The living room had been searched, and the trash can had been torn apart in the kitchen. There was a note saying, was there a needle? But no needle was found. <laughs> so I really like this both as kind of a show of how information that we know is sort of true is being tweeted twisted for a different narrative and how that's thematically important. Yeah.
0: Yeah, both in terms of, like, literally seeing how the police are piecing this together, even though Keiichi was, like, in constant contact with them the entire time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the parallel it sets up between, like, all right, so this is how an interpretation of the events is now unfolding to create a story that is wildly different from what we know actually happened, just right. in terms of, like, we know that Keiichi's, like, broke the shoe rack a long time before any of this happened, and it's unrelated completely mm-hmm. all these other things
1: uh the suspect was found in a phone booth and it clawed out his own throat with his fingernails they suspect that drugs were involved but no trace of drugs were found in the system the case was labeled unresolved a note from the suspect was left torn in half behind Katie's clock but the authorities questioned the validity of the note since it seems to have been tampered with it was one piece of paper that had been torn in the middle there is also a large amount of tape behind the clock that seems to have been used to hold something that has since been removed so we have no way of verifying whether it was a marker or a syringe Yes, yes. Did you look up what had been torn out of Keiichi's letter? I did, but I would like i would like your
0: dramatic reveal of it.
1: Okay, I will read Keiichi's full letter and then I'll tell you what was torn out. Mm-hmm. I, Keiichi Mayabura, am in fear for my life. I do not know why they are after my life. The only thing I know is that it has to do with Oyashiro-sama's curse. Rena and Mian are conspirators of the perpetrators. There are four or five adults, maybe more. They have a white van. All that is included. This was torn out. Please reinvestigate the victim from the dismemberment incident. He's alive. Tomitake-san's death was from an unknown drug. This syringe is proof. That's where it broke off. So those three lines were torn out. Mm -hmm. Then it continues. I have no idea why it has become like this. If you are reading this, then I am probably already dead. Though you may or may not find the body, you who are reading this, please uncover the truth. That is my only desire. Cut to end of the episode.
0: Yeah, it's, God, it's also very Mm -hmm. well framed because that last line is literally, like, addressed at you, the audience. Like, you who are reading this, please uncover the truth.
1: I mean, we don't know enough to know exactly what about these sentences was incriminating. It's clear that they worked really hard not to reopen the old cases and to let them kind of get shut. Mm -hmm. I'm curious whether it was actually syringe. (laughs) I'm pretty sure it wasn't. Yeah, there are a
0: couple thoughts that I have on that. I mean, first off, the thing about, like... So Keiichi's, like, sudden 11th hour suspicion that because they're talking about Mm -hmm. the manager and the foreman of the dam is the only person that that he could, Mm -hmm. like, remember that, wait, they called the foreman of the dam and this person must still be alive then. Which, if he took a moment, I think, in a more, like, in in a different part of the game, he would have, like, realized that this seems nonsense because, like, the dam foreman was, like, prime enemy number one of hinamizawa like the reason that he got into fights with me on is because he was trying to flood their entire village and like basically displace everyone who lived there and so so you know yeah like, that sort of theory, like, while it is very sort of, like, tantalizing to be, like, oh, wow, does this mean that there's, like, a murder, one of the murder victims actually didn't die? But then also, like, the only thing that they did not find of his was, like, right. his right Like, they arm. can verify that that's him. Yeah. So, I, I think that part is very really interesting, and and I think that, like, there are a number of reasons why you might not want that to be right. reopened, either, because it would, like, Open old wounds from people, and you'd have the police traipsing about. And, like, listen, as I have said before, number one moral of this game don't (laughs) talk to cops. The police, often, especially when they're investigating murders, are not necessarily tactful. And you've already seen in this novel, like, how Oishi just, like, draws broad sweeping conclusions, whether it's, like, according to department policy Mm -hmm. or not. So, like, Whether it's actually because they don't want the actual perpetrator to be found and this is, like, the village protecting whoever did the murder, or if it's, like, literally just someone being, like, all right... We do not need to be re-traumatizing people who've already gone yeah. through a lot during that ordeal. That line to take out makes sense. And then this syringe is evidence line for Tomitake. I mean, I can actually see how, like, if someone went there and found it and found that it wasn't a syringe, they might have just torn it out because they're like, uh, I, I don't understand why this marker right. is right here Or my other thought is that it could be something that is like, it could be something that's like slightly different that is not exactly a standard marker, but it's like maybe like an airbrush Mm. pen or something to the point where it looks sort of weird, you know, and it's not, but like when that comes back, what would it come back? It would come back that this is like, oh, this is Mion's. And so then I think that anybody who knew that would be like, well, Mion didn't do that murder. So we're not going to let the police sort of implicate her by using this thing.
1: People got in there to clean up, to have it presented in a way that would be most beneficial or at least damaging to them yeah. or they're, who they're aligned with.
0: Yeah, I think the thing that makes this game really effective is that there are sketchy things happening that aren't like very obvious and on mm-hmm. the surface level, right? But it's not always exactly what Keiichi is going for and he even in his mind is setting up this sort of like so there's two options there's a a firm strict Mm -hmm. binary either i am imagining it and everything is fine or shit is really really fucked up in this one specific in like one of two ways like either it's oyashiro-sama or like some grand
1: conspiracy there's clearly some really messed up stuff happening in this town uh (laughs) and we will find out more about it but
0: yeah and it's it's just fascinating that it's because he is thinking that it's a completely different sort of messed up that we're often unable to see what things are actually going mm-hmm. on and unfolding i think
1: so I think for us to kind of wrap up, I figured we'd go through the tips and kind of talk about them and maybe talk a little bit about theories. Tips are great. Yes, I love tips. We don't really learn much about Mion's mm-hmm. family, but they do talk about the fact that the reason that all the main characters have their own style of cool clothing is because Mion's family runs a secondhand clothing store. KG thinks it sounds like they probably don't make much money doing that, mm-hmm. but I guess put a pin in that one for later, I think. Yeah,
0: it's also an interesting sort of thematic parallel when you've got a, uh, a village whose festival every year is about <laughs> taking used cotton goods and sort of like, Thanking right. them for their service and sending them off down the river. But also, one of the most prominent families yep. in the village runs a secondhand clothing store. I don't know what that means we'll learn yet. More
1: about me on in the next one, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, put a pin in that. Uh, we did already talk about myborough Manor. The fact that his house is very big and the kids think it's very strange that they live there. Don't know where that leads yet. All right. Mm. So then we've got kind of breakdowns of the different actual cases. So um, the dam site murder dismemberment was in June of 1979. As we've already said, six people involved, five arrested on. The suspicion of murder and dismemberment of the dam overseer. The main offender was not captured and remains wanted. This was at 9 p.m. It was suspected to be a drunken verbal dispute, but there are multiple inconsistencies with the testimonies. So from a note from October 1975 is about the construction of the dam and how it would impact five nearby regions and submerge 291 houses, a total population of 1,251. I believe um, Keiichi asked Tomitake why they chose this place Mm. which had a population Mm. in it. And he's like, well, I think it was just the right land for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Like, this is the right conditions for a dam. And we get the sense that either this is, like, a perfectly legitimate thing that they just don't understand enough to, like, realize why the dam had to be here. Like, I've seen Mm -hmm. high-level administrative decision-making on stuff like that. And I can sort of see how... If they are presented with a portfolio of different things and told that these are the options, um, they'll be like, well, yeah, sure, we we need to do it here. We'll save like $3 million on the project estimate cost or something ridiculous like that that does not matter to the residents, but to someone in the prefecture level who's making these decisions, it makes perfect sense. Or I can see this as like, (laughs) all right, so here's some shady dealing. We need to get rid of all these people who are in the powerful mob families of Hinamizawa or or something like ridiculous like that. But, you know, like something out of a noir thriller that's like, all right, we're going to do this. We're going to do this for like purely corrupt political reasons. The
1: next note goes back to the dismemberment. The instigator had everyone involved help dismember the body and bury the pieces. Right arm, as we said, is not still unfound. The instigator said he would throw the arm into the marsh. So the marsh keeps kind of coming up. Again, according to the villagers, they believe the marsh is bottomless. I think we already yeah. talked about how it got its name. So the marsh is called Onigafuchi. Oh no, I don't think we mentioned. Which means the ogre's abyss. But the instigator's car was actually mm-hmm. discovered near the marsh, but... Gave no clues as to where his whereabouts were. So in 1980, an office employee mm. and his wife of Hinamizawa disappeared after falling 27 meters. At This was at 2 p.m. in the afternoon from the observatory platform in Shirakawa Prefecture while they were on vacation. A railing at the observatory had broken, causing them to fall. Police and firefighters discovered the body of the husband around 7 p.m. that evening. The wife has not been found. The effects of a Typhoon 3 had happened the day prior and therefore impacted their ability to search.
0: Mm, yeah, which that's a pretty big deal and also like that setup on its own made me like really wonder like why were they really at a high up place in such close proximity to a typhoon but i don't know actually if that's really suspicious or if i'm just reading too much into yeah. it
1: anything where one of wives or husbands has disappeared i'm kind of like hmm put a pin in that one june 1981 <sighs> edition around 10 p.m the shinto priest of the furude shrine passed away after an existing condition suddenly worsened People close to him said that he had been suffering from anxiety about the festival held that day. The paper mentions that the Onagafuchi Marsh is said to be bottomless, as we just mentioned, making discovery of the priest's wife's body nearly impossible. Then we got a note saying the 1982 murder of the mm. housewife yep. mentioned by Tomatake was not mentioned in the newspaper. And there's actually a, a later tip that I'll just go ahead and jump to because it's about yep. the same kind of stuff. And that's the police notice.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: So regarding the cases of Hinamizawa Village, uh, as with Shishibone City, media buzz surrounding cases has drawn global attention. Shishibone is mentioned a couple times. I don't know if that's going to be relevant, mm-hmm. but I could see it being. Impacting the life of local residents. Mm-hmm. Project the livelihood and the prosperity of the residents. The following notice has been issued. Designated the following criminal investigations as classified. That's the 1982 case. The housewife murder. The 1982 disappearance of a student and then non-disclosure information of the 1979 case of the Foreman murder, the 1980 case of the National Park Falling, and the 1981 Chinto Priest disappearance. So basically, the year before this game takes place, they had issued this classification which kept the housewife murder from going into the newspaper and made Mm. all previous cases a non-disclosure.
0: Yeah, which honestly also isn't that unusual if they're all outstanding cases that are getting a lot of media attention because it makes it harder to investigate sometimes when that happens whether or not there are other other actors or like mechanics at 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 work here
1: we have information on jiro tomitake which is a pen name he resided in a cheap hotel in chishibone city no license, traveled via bicycle. The bicycle was found 300 meters away, abandoned at the side of the forest path. He had been at the festival company by the missing Mio Takano and was seen around 9 p.m. by police. He held residence in Hinamizawa for one week each season for the last five to six years. He was a freelance photographer specializing in wild birds and then has a note say, Check with magazine companies. Nothing suspicious in the film, located among the articles of the deceased wallet was among the articles of the deceased has a note mere act of violence from the contents of the wallet he spent most of his time around tokyo and chiba and then has a note along the Kobu national railway line no individual matching the name jiro Tomotake in the residency records and then it has notes compare teeth to dental records and send to metro police catch a photo send to metro police contact magazines regarding jiro Tomotake. so we do not know his yeah. real name i find it highly likely that he is related to someone in the town but we were given no hints of that yeah, mm-hmm. and then for Takano Mio, we don't have much. She was nurse at the Irie Clinic. She became close to Tomitake through her passion of wild bird photography. I'm questioning <laughs> that one. He, yeah, yeah. Resides in Okonomiya single, has no motive to kill the deceased. And then I think he had a I think I mean, he had a message debatable. saying like uh, jealousy or something.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. The speculations about motive and and lack of motive, or like well. Obviously, if a woman was with him, probably they were like an item together. And if she did him a murder, then it was probably jealousy. Like those sorts of, there are so many different assumptions being piled on one another here.
1: So Oishi talks with the forensic investigator about different kind of options for Tomitake's death. They discuss depression and bipolar disorder. And something that forensic investigator notes is that it's the changeover between depression and mania that is the most dangerous. Mm Mm-hmm. Because when someone's dealing with a manic episode, they're likely to have confidence and feel like they're walking on air. It's the combination of depression and mania that makes people...
0: Yeah, that reading of it specifically is also very much like... A police Mm -hmm. or, like, a law enforcement understanding of what it's like to live with bipolar.
1: They rule out bipolar disorder as cause for Tomataki's death because of the way that he died. They speculate about foreign substances. They said there are reports of meth. Methamphetamine overdoses can produce a condition Mm -hmm. that resembles bipolar disorder. It's a stimulant. And there's also a sleep aid that can report erratic behavior.
0: Uh, yeah, Yeah, barbiturates. There you
1: go. And there are no signs of stimulants in the victim's body. Forensic investigators talks about possible illnesses. He mentions Graves' disease, but says that there would be other symptoms that are not associated with Tomitake's condition. And then he mentions organic mental disorders, a condition where there's been some sort of brain injury while there were a couple different ways it could happen. It could be caused by physical trauma or by stroke or tumors, but it could also be caused by some drugs, the combination of stress of being attacked and taking a blow that would mess with the brain chemistry.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that also is one of those that's like, I think meant to be presented as like a very wild attempt at rationalizing something that is extremely weird.
1: by the end of the visual novel the police have no idea but i do think it's interesting to compare tomitake's case and keiji's case Mm. because they have very different like tomitake seems to be acting completely normal at the time of the festival but by midnight that night he has died Mm -hmm. keiji is definitely going through something it's hard to know whether it's just paranoia or if there is some sort of stimulant that he's dealing with since he does at the end, fall into the same situation as Mm Tomitake. So that's something to kind of consider. But we don't really have a lot of information about if there's something external that's impacting both of these cases.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, God, I had the weird idea, like I'd written some notes down that like, oh, okay, so the reason that they're scratching at their throat is probably because there is something that's like paradoxical warming. I don't know why I would have written that down other than that it's probably just the first thing that came to mind. So paradoxical warming is the thing where like sometimes you can be so Mm. cold that you feel like you're burning up and you need to strip off layers of clothes when actually that is the worst thing for you to do because even though you feel really warm, the outside air is sub-zero. Now, this is like a summer night in 1983 Japan. Um, and not Hokkaido so it's not even remotely cold it's very very warm I really don't think that was it but I think what my thought process was is like maybe there is something that has an effect like that where you feel extremely compelled to like scratch at your own throat like there's something there that you have to get off of it or that you have something to, to
1: remember is that during the phone call with Oishi Keiichi was also coughing and and maybe vomiting, like there was a real, maybe like there was a feeling of something being stuck in his throat, or maybe he's just straight up coughing until he couldn't breathe, and maybe it was a reaction to that, but yeah, we don't really know enough to fully theorize on that one.
0: Yeah, but basically I think my takeaway of that is like, so we're presented with two possibilities. Like there's an unknown mysterious Mm -hmm. drug that is completely untraceable that causes you to do this. Or there is a demon or god that is attacking you and causing you to do this. I guess
1: another thing could be illness. Yeah. If you're saying it's something contagion. Yeah,
0: yeah. But so I think none of the things that are directly presented to us are going to be the actual reason or explanation for any of these actions.
1: I don't know. Yukishi sometimes has the habit of putting things right in your face. I mean, (laughs) that
0: is true. That is true. But I mean, like, I do not think that it is going to be some mysterious, unknown, untraceable drug, Hmm. is my thought in it. But I mean, that is also partly speculation. So I mean, there's an approach to Mr. and... Again, Higurashi, I don't think, is written as, like, a fully... Like, it is not written as strictly as a mystery as Umineko, I don't think. I don't think that it was written in mind of, like, it will abide by all of these sort of different rules and won't bend or break them. But I do definitely think that there's, like, there's things that it's building up towards and that you can sort of, like, solve... Not solve in the traditional mystery genre sense, but, like, there are things that you can sort of, like, figure out along the way it's
1: very well realized to the point where you can dig Mm. and find connections between and that's what i like a lot about yes his writing
0: it's something that i really really appreciate on this especially because this and umineko are both very long series in terms of like there are a lot of words here there's a lot of content there are eight volumes of higurashi that we're going to go through right and like umineko there are eight volumes there and Every single one of them is incredibly tight, and even though there are some parts that are like, well, that didn't ultimately end up really leading too many places. If you look at things that happen in Volume 8, you can trace them directly back to setup in Volume 1, and like all sorts of things like that. Like It's very clear that there is a very clear vision, and it's set up from the start for that. And uh with that and the the different way that KHE clearly recognizes that they're untrustworthy adults that are kind of taking advantage <laughs> of him all the way. This sets up one of my favorite comparisons that I thought of while I was reading this. Okay. Because I was also listening to another podcast called The Shrieking Shack. Oh no. Where, no way. Where uh where they talk about uh rereading the Harry Potter books uh-huh. and we are yeah i am am a fan of of shrieking shack not a fan of the harry potter books to be Mm, clear mm -hmm. i am a fan of the shrieking shack uh yeah just thinking about like the comparison of like the virgin harry potter books and the chad higurashi where like it's never clear even by the end of the harry potter books how harry thinks of dumbledore and sort of like the, the shadiness and the manipulation and everything it's it's all kind of messy and doesn't really come with a clear, concise answer. And it kind of undercuts itself in ways. Sure. And also, there are like a lot of things that are clearly patched on.
1: The text is never really sure how it wants to present Double Tour, whereas here yeah. it's very sure. And this is true for both Umineko and Higurashi. It's very sure about how it wants to present its adults, even when it's sympathizing yes, with them.
0: exactly. Like, there is a very clear understanding of who these adults are and what they are doing and, like, what their relation is to the children or the teens in the story. Yeah. And it's not something that really, like, there is a good amount of deliberate, consistent direction on here that I really appreciate. Mm-hmm. Especially when you're, you're building up characters that are really, Really messy and complex in their motives.
1: I will say, this episode, I wasn't expecting to like Tomatake. And I I highly suspect that I will not always like him. I suspect... I just don't trust adults in uh, RPG yeah, yeah. theory. But yeah. I did enjoy his scenes here and was surprised by them. I am waiting to not like him. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. I am kind of there too. Because I don't know why, but I remember from years ago when i read this like previously like way way back when like volume one was i think maybe volume one was the only thing out but i think it might have been a little bit after sure may have been only
1: available in english
0: yeah 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 anyway like at the time i was like oh i hate this dude Mm -hmm. oh this this man is a bastard man I, i i don't trust anything he says he's a bastard man and i don't entirely know why i do definitely
1: i think that normally i would have also just been like yeah he creeps me out like he's gonna be bad news but there's yeah. something there's something just weirdly charming about him scaring Keiichi yeah. with stories of the murders and being like no it's fine <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. There's no, no i mean fine. like
0: he, he definitely felt like a weird a weird loner adult who's like you're being weird but also i i didn't sense any malice in this case But also, like you said, I am fully expecting...
1: I'm making that statement now because I'm sure in the future I'll be like, why did I ever... Why was I ever kind of affectionate about this character, but...
0: Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That is a thing that we will talk about as we go further on, but so... Uh,
1: There was one more tip I wanted to mention just because... Oh, that's right. It's kind of the counter to my theory about all the stuff with Mian and Renna <laughs> um, mm-hmm. because it's about it takes place with just Mian and Renna talking to each other at school when Keiji is not there um, and they're kind of it's clear that they're concerned but when they mention Oishi, Meon calls him the messenger of Oyashiro-sama. Whenever he shows up someone is demoned away. He's like oh yeah. She says that two years ago Rika's mom had visited by him before she drowned and she also realized he was around before Satoshi transferred. But then they like mm-hmm. have this moment where they like laugh it off that's very Creepy.
0: Yeah. Anyway,
1: I think it's very interesting their relationship to which we don't really know much about. Like, we know that Rena believes in Oyashiro sama. We know mm-hmm. that Neon knows that it's a sensitive topic. She may believe, she may not. Like, I feel like that scene is set up for you to kind of follow Keiichi's viewpoint mm-hmm. as them having bad uh, intentions. But yeah, I also want well, something I also want to mention is that Keiichi goes through this being so determined that something's going to happen to them. But I wonder if the town is always like, well, someone's already died this year. I don't have to worry about it till next year. I kind of wonder if that kind of plays into how they view things. So Mm -hmm. there's a lot to dig into there when we get more information, but...
0: Absolutely. I mean, yeah, even that scene, like, when they're laughing it off, I almost, like, I almost expect that to be, like, the way that sometimes teens will, like, deliberately try and, like, joke their way out of having to do, like, actual heavy emotions.
1: And they do that a lot throughout the episode as they try and make jokes Yeah, all the stuff that's happening around Keiji.
0: But yeah, it's interesting, too, because the difference between them calling Oishi the messenger of Oyashiro, mm-hmm. and almost in that sort of, like, glib way where it's like well we don't actually think that right but he he always shows around yeah and then someone gets murdered yeah. or disappears or something which honestly also just to drop this in there there is a correlation between how many police are around and how many murders get happened <laughs> uh not saying that there's anything there but it could be. you never know yeah, there might be. Anyway, yeah, I'm I'm really excited to continue reading and
1: now that we've recorded this episode, I can start the next episode. Yes. I'm looking yes. forward to it.
0: So I, I was a little bit slow in getting through this episode because of like holiday things and other stuff, but like God, once I hit the
1: I originally read the episode one, like mid November. or something and it's january now beginning of january so i had to reread the whole thing again which is fine because i hadn't taken notes oh yeah yeah. personally i liked reading through all of it once without taking any notes just so i could experience it but it takes Mm -hmm. a lot of time to do two times so i'll see if i keep doing that but yeah dear readers
0: (laughs) dear readers i do Absolutely understand if you only want to listen or if you're only want to read through Higurashi once. Yeah, Um, I definitely do not would not say that. Oh, you really need to listen or or read through it like two or three times.
1: Only do it if you're compelled to.
0: But yeah, only if you really there is there is good stuff if you want to go back and read it again.
1: Like most of the stuff that I noted and really wanted to get to was stuff that I wrote down in the second viewing. Yeah, so
0: and I went a little slower, but I also was. Taking notes as I went along on the first viewing, uh, mm-hmm. like the first read as well. But also, you are listening right now, dear readers, to people who played the entirety of Umineko, which is a monstrously long series. God, how many times know. did I read through it? I it would was keep reading
1: certain ones over and over again. So, and then I've read the manga at least four, five, four or five times. So,
0: yeah, I've read episode four alone. I think like. Four four or five times because it was really like I really was trying to before umineko 7 yeah well when umineko 7 came out right I was really trying to like come with my full theory right and have it all set up yeah so we absolutely endorse reading Higurashi but you only have to do it once if you don't want to do any more than that it's okay yeah yeah so can we take it to the outro? Yeah. What is our outro? Well, I mean, first before oh, yeah. we do that, we have to talk about where people can find us, unless they are, of course, vengeful spirits that are spying on us through a network of small town residents. I will forgive you. I will <laughs> forgive you too. So, Sarah, where could people, in theory, find you?
1: You can find me on Twitter at satellite s n e or elsewhere at satellite in a supernova. Mm. And uh, you can find me,
0: Runa on Twitter, at Cacklemancy, or on Itch, at Runa Leor, where you can find some of the games and other things that I make. And uh, next time... We are going to be talking about Higurashi Volume 2. Yes. Yeah, I'm very excited. Our schedule is up on our Twitter. You should also check us out and follow us on Twitter at Say It In Red Pod, where you can see our schedule and upcoming things. And also, we'll be probably tweeting some fun things out in between episodes. And, well, I suppose that's it. So. Mm-hmm. Until next time, if you have any interest in, you know, talking to the police, don't (laughs) first. First, don't. That's the moral that I'm bringing here today. And then, if you really want to make sure that the note you leave behind is going to lead to the arrest of your murderer, you'd better make sure that you say it in red.